Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. Phoenix Suns beat the Milwaukee Bucks last night in the first game of the NBA Finals, but the spotlight is being pulled from those who play basketball to those who talk about basketball due to a scandal brewing at ESPN. The network replaced sideline reporter Rachel Nichols, who's white, after comments she made came to light about her African-American colleague, Maria Taylor. NPR Sports correspondent Tom Goldman joins us. Hey, Tom. Hi, Mary Louise. Okay, so let's start with what happened here. What happened with Rachel Nichols? Well, last summer, uh, during the NBA's bubble in Florida, she was having a phone conversation with someone in her hotel room. After finding out um, she wouldn't be getting the host job for ESPN's marquee program, NBA Countdown, during the NBA Finals. And she suggested the woman who was getting the job, Maria Taylor, who's African-American, as you mentioned, got it because of her race. Oh, and we know exactly what she said, because it turns out there was there was a hot mic on in her hotel, in her hotel room. Yes, yeah, so we beware the hot mic. Yeah. And it recorded her saying, um, saying this, and I'm quoting, I wish Maria Taylor all the success in the world. She covers football, she covers basketball, and Nichols continues, if you need to give her more things to do because you are feeling pressure about your crappy longtime record on diversity, which by the way, I know personally from the female side of it, go for it. Just find it somewhere else. You are not going to find it from me or taking my thing away. Uh, now, also in the phone conversation, the person Nichols was talking to, a white male, said this, I'm exhausted between Me Too and Black Lives Matter. I got nothing left. And Nichols laughed. Now, Mary Louise, this all has become a scandal now because part of the tape recently leaked. The New York Times had the full story this past weekend. And it blew up, of course, on social media. ESPN, ESPN announced it was replacing Nichols as a sideline reporter during these finals games with Malika Andrews, who's African-American. But the network said Nichols would keep hosting her NBA show, The Jump. Hmm. And what is Nichols saying now about all this? Well, she apologized on The Jump, and here is a bit of what she said. 
But I also don't want to let this moment pass without saying how much I respect, how much I value our colleagues here at ESPN, how deeply, deeply sorry I am for disappointing those I hurt, particularly Maria Taylor. I'm thinking, Tom, this is all coming during the finals. The NBA mm-hmm. wants everybody to focus on the basketball, on the game, especially after this you know, really tough season during the pandemic. What, what is the NBA saying about all this? Um, well, yesterday in his pre-finals press conference, Commissioner Adam Silver said it's disheartening, and he echoed what many have said. It's unfortunate two women are being pitted against each other here when having competent female broadcasters in such a male-dominated world uh, as the NBA, that should be celebrated. Uh, he also raised the question, delicately, because the NBA and ESPN are partners, about why the network has taken so long to deal with this issue. Since this was known about at ESPN headquarters soon after happened a year ago. Here's Commissioner Silver. I would have thought that in the past year, maybe through some incredibly difficult conversations, that ESPN would have found a way to be able to work through it. Uh, Obviously not. Speaking of incredibly difficult conversations, Tom, do we know if those are happening inside ESPN? Um, They reportedly have, and those conversations have been sometimes heated, sometimes acrimonious. The New York Times article quotes Maria Taylor as saying about ESPN, being a front-facing black woman at this company has taken its toll physically and mentally. The network, through a spokesman, said ESPN emphasizes diversity, inclusion, and equity. But, you know, this is a story that resonates beyond one open mic in ESPN. Uh, All all aspects of society, obviously, are dealing with diversity and inclusion, right? Rightfully so. One hopes Nichols' words are being talked about in discussions everywhere. That is NPR sports correspondent Tom Goldman. Thank you, Tom. You're welcome. Little brother, I heard y'all ain't hitting in New York. Word. I heard y'all ain't hitting in L.A. Word, word. I heard y'all ain't hitting in North Carolina. North Carolina. This is WFAE News. I'm Gwendolyn Glenn. Investigative journalist Nicole Hannah-Jones says she will not teach at UNC Chapel Hill's journalism school, but instead has accepted a position at Howard University. She made the announcement today on CBS This Morning. Her decision follows an extended and public fight over whether UNC would give her tenure. Joe Killian of the left-leaning NC Policy Watch, who has interviewed both Hannah Jones and Walter Hussman Jr., the major donor who emailed concerns about Hannah Jones to university leaders, joins us now. Joe, based on your conversations with Nicole Hannah Jones, did she say anything that hinted at her announcement this morning to pass on the teaching offer at UNC for an opportunity to teach at Howard University in Washington, D.C.? Well, I think she's expressed dissatisfaction with the process throughout. The fact that Walter Hussman, who should have been completely outside of this process, was pretty intimately involved, that he had multiple conversations with the dean of the journalism school, with Chancellor Kevin Guskowitz, and reportedly with a board of trustees member as well, was disturbing to her. But did she hint at anything in terms of taking the position at Howard? Because I'm sure she probably has received lots of offers since all of this um, started. Yeah, when I interviewed her yesterday, she said that she began getting offers and uh, people reaching out to her from different institutions on the day that our first story ran breaking this, saying uh, we'll not only offer you tenure, but also respect. 
Well, now, UNC said little about why they withheld giving her tenure, and there are reports it was because of pushback from conservatives. Uh, Hannah Jones is best known for her work with the New York Times Magazine 1619 Project, which focuses on race in America and commemorates the 400th anniversary of the first enslaved Africans arriving in Virginia. In your reporting, you interviewed Walter Hussman, Jr. What did he tell you about her work on the 1619 Project and the role that played, if any, in his concerns about her? It seemed to be at the center of, of his concerns, although he also expressed dissatisfaction with an essay that she wrote about the concept of reparations to black Americans for slavery. But did he say specifically what he was concerned about about the 1619 Project? He pointed to criticisms that uh, the 1619 Project has gotten from historians who take issue with some of her characterizations, chiefly claims about people who were involved in the Revolutionary War and uh, the fight for American independence being driven by the desire to maintain slavery in the states. Do you know what the policy is at uh, UNC Chapel Hill in terms of keeping politics out of decisions such as this? Well, (laughs) there's no keeping politics out of decisions such as this, at least at this level, because the entire UNC Board of Trustees, they're all political appointees. They're appointees either of the members of the Board of Governors, the UNC System Board of Governors, who are all political appointees, or directly of the North Carolina General Assembly. Now, this was a very public battle over tenure all the way to this morning's announcement on national television. It also mobilized black and white students, faculty. What impact do you think this will have on the university going forward? Well, I think it's important to look at this as part of a continuum of controversial public discussions about race and politics at UNC and in the UNC system. There have been... uh, fights over naming or renaming buildings on UNC's campus that are named for people who were uh, slaveholders and people who were avowed white supremacists. And now we we get to this, which is at its heart is a, a battle over what, what you can say in academia about history and race and who gets to say that. So um, I, it, it's, it's having a measurable effect on UNC Chapel Hill. There are uh, black faculty who are talking about leaving. There are black faculty who have left and who have talked about this as at least part of their decision. And there are students who are leaving and talking about leaving. And there are people who they've been unable to recruit, who they were strongly trying to recruit because of this. Anything else you'd like to add that I didn't ask you about this? Uh, you know, I think a lot of people look at this as a culture war thing, that uh, it's part of this ongoing culture war over race and politics. It's really important also to look at it from an academic freedom standpoint, I think. A lot of the faculty are concerned that if you have to pass some sort of political litmus test to get tenure at universities, then you're not going to see people with unpopular opinions or controversial scholarship do that. And that's that's a, a linchpin of academic freedom. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. Glad to help. Joe Killian is with NC Policy Watch and has been reporting on the battle at UNC Chapel Hill over tenure for New York Times Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Nicole Hannah-Jones. She announced this morning that she will take a position at Howard University and HBCU in Washington, D.C. as a Knight Chair in Race and Investigative Journalism faculty position. Right now, delivering the things people need has never been more important. 
to all of our Amazon retail heroes on the floor, in the air, and behind the wheel, we want to thank you. We'll continue to do everything we can to keep you healthy, safe, and protected. The work you are doing means everything right now. Thank you. New York City held a ticker tape parade today to celebrate the local heroes who kept the city going during the pandemic. As WNYC's Karen Yee reports, confetti rained down on bodega owners and nurses and transit workers, to name a few, in a time-honored New York tradition. The last ticker tape parade here was in 2019 to celebrate the U.S. women's soccer team after their World Cup win. The 130-plus year tradition has commemorated John Glenn, the first American to orbit the Earth, and Charles Lindbergh, the first solo pilot to fly nonstop from New York to Paris. But the heroes celebrated today aren't exactly famous. They're just beloved. Normally we're looking at uh, either a Super Bowl team or a World Series champ, and uh and now it's the workers who don't get the recognition that they, they truly deserve on a, on a daily basis. Sanitation worker Roy Taminia was one of the hundreds of essential workers gathered on floats that rolled down a mile-long stretch of Broadway in downtown Manhattan. Crowds of spectators cheered teachers, park workers, delivery drivers, and doctors, everyday people who during the darkest days of the pandemic provided New York City a lifeline. They kept things moving, people fed, and nursed many back to health. People like 60-year-old Robbie Tamargo, who is still recovering from COVID. I wanted to come out and support the people who saved my life. Shredded paper confetti filled the air, as did drum lines and bagpipers. Workers waved to their neighbors, family, and sometimes their co-workers. Bill Bailey is a paramedic with Lenox Hill Hospital. Holding his arms wide, he couldn't stop smiling amid the cheers. I'm soaking it in, and, and I can't believe it's me walking down Broadway in a parade honoring me. Nurse Sharon Sr. likens this parade to a deep collective exhale. We are making progress, and I think that's what New York City needs, that sense of uh, comfort and knowing that we were there for you, and you are here for us now. It was Mayor Bill de Blasio who decided to hold the celebration, saying he wanted to show his appreciation for the city's workers, now that the worst of the pandemic was behind them. Because before we did anything else in the way of celebrations in the city, we needed to thank the people who saw us through COVID. That included nurse Sandra Lindsay, who led the parade because she was the first person to receive the COVID vaccine. For NPR News, I'm Karen Yee in New York. You think she realized by now it's the hair? It's all about the hair. A Nashville hairstylist is pushing the salon industry to address racism that disregards black culture and black clients. From Nashville Public Radio, Ambriel Crutchfield reports. When Amber Curry started learning at Nashville's Aveda Institute, she saw black folks weren't being welcomed like white clients. No one was really being a hairstylist, you know, taking their craft seriously and being prepared for every person to sit in their chair. Well, now as a former Aveda Institute teacher, Curry wants to address that discomfort with her program, Black Beauty School. So we turn the blow dry on. High heat, high fan. And I'm going to run the blow dryer down the hair. It's a six-hour class in which 25 attendees learn practical skills to make their salons more inclusive. Stylists who have little experience doing black hair get hands-on about what products and techniques are needed to do natural hairstyles like a twist-out, bantu knots, or a wash-and-go. Employers and school administrators have used hair to discriminate. That has triggered civil rights lawsuits 
and pushed some cities like Cincinnati and states like California to create legislation protecting black women's crowns. The military has had its problems, too. Specifically how many cornrows they can have, how big they are, the parties, how big the bun can be. But things are changing on this. In May, the U.S. Army further relaxed some of their grooming standards to prevent hair loss and to allow people to express their cultural and gender identity. For centuries, black women have embraced the versatility of their hair. Cicely Tyson, Lil' Kim, Michelle Obama, and Chloe and Hallie have created new standards for self-expression. That impacts black women and international beauty culture. Throughout the United States, beauticians have called out beauty schools for not fully preparing students to service black clients. And I like to let them hear that squeak, like, hey, that's what you should hear when you clarify, because that means, yeah. So that leaves white stylists like Brooke Julian struggling over the basics, like washing hair. And I know that this seems like a dumb little thing, but like, I had no idea that you were like supposed to get the hair clean enough to squeak. Julian and other stylists also got to hear black hair models share the ways race and privilege have unraveled in the salon chair. Jasmine Ellis talked about her traumatizing experience getting a green hair dye and pixie cut. By the time I left the salon, my hair was at least green, but it was split, crunchy, not that soft, light kind of feeling that you get when you go to a salon. Ellis was stunned that no stylist consulted her or offered alternatives that would have protected her hair. In America, beauty isn't just a fun way to switch up your look. It's been about power, too. Tiffany Gill is a history professor at Rutgers University. She says one of the ways white Europeans justified enslaving African people was because of their physical features. Even today, when we think about standards of beauty, um, it much has to do with hierarchies of power and access. Black people have always leaned into that power, whether it's supporting businesses like Madam C.J. Walker's, She's the first black woman millionaire who made a fortune off catering her homemade line of hair care products to black women. Or today, when black people continue to embrace beauty standards that include their natural hair. Stylist Amber Curry says the black beauty school isn't about white guilt. I want for black folks to be able to enjoy self-care, but also to go out and to walk into any salon and to know that they are going to be treated equally. She wants stylists to have the skills to pamper black clients. The Black Beauty School recently finished sessions in Portland, Oregon. For NPR, I'm Ambriel Crutchfield in Nashville. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. Now for a quiz. What do Amazon, Disney World, and Dickie Joe's Burgers in Eugene, Oregon all have in common? Well, they're all offering $1,000 sign-on bonuses right now. That kind of cash payout may sound tempting, but NPR's Andrea Shu says that for low-wage workers, it may be little more than a quick fix. With a record 9 million jobs open in the U.S., Anne Elizabeth Conkle has noticed more and more job postings with the words hiring bonus in them. I mean, it's eye-catching. Conkle is an economist with the Indeed Hiring Lab. She's found such postings on Indeed's job site have doubled since a year ago. 
Employers are clearly desperate for workers and offering cash to lure them. Just in the nursing category, it goes from $100 to $30,000. That is a tremendous amount of money. After all, these are not Wall Street jobs where big bonuses are the norm. For employers, sign-on bonuses can be a great tool. For starters, Conkle says, It's a one-time cost. In other words, you're not stuck paying a higher wage week after week, year after year. Also, it's flexible. Once they get enough staff, they can drop the hiring incentive if they choose. Now, those reasons are also why hiring incentives are not always so good for workers. We are not fans of one-time relief. In general, wages need to go up. Saru Jayaraman is president of the advocacy group One Fair Wage. They've been calling for higher wages for workers who earn tips. She says, think about it. For someone working in food service, a one-off $1,000 bonus is hardly life-changing. That might cover maybe groceries, maybe a part of my rent for a month, and then I'm back where I started. And so... If I thought this job didn't work before, in a month, it's still not going to work. You're much better off negotiating a higher starting wage. But David Madland of the Center for American Progress says that's not something low-wage workers can typically do. Almost by definition, low-wage workers have very little bargaining power. Sure, you can ask for a few dollars more an hour instead of the signing bonus. And who knows, maybe in this labor market, you'd succeed. But traditionally, Madland says, employers have not been open to such negotiations. They don't want to set a precedent because then they might have to raise wages for the next person who comes along in the job or the people who are already in the job. What workers can do and have been doing this year is refuse to take a job at the wage being offered. That's forced employers to bump up the hourly pay. A survey of small businesses found a third of employers raise pay in May. But if you are considering that big signing bonus, here's another thing to know. You often have to stay in a job for months before getting the full amount. Tiana Mitchell, a restaurant server in Miami, recently took on a second job at a fancier restaurant that was offering a $1,000 bonus. But she quickly realized the tips at the new place weren't better. And it was too many hours. It was severely understaffed. That's why I was working so much. So after two months, she quit, forfeiting half her bonus, $500, which she would have gotten at the three-month mark. Now she's back to working one restaurant job. But nothing as far as searching for the next signing bonus. Instead, she's using the time to study. She wants to get a license to sell insurance. It's a move Paulo Varquez would approve of. He's a career counselor at Coastline Community College in Orange County, California. He says, yeah, signing bonuses might sound great, but your focus should be on the long term. You know, is this job going to provide me with relevant experience and skills for my career goal? That, he said, should be the motivating factor, not hundreds of dollars of cash. Andrea Shu, NPR News. The worker shortage in the U.S. has been a boon to some. Teen workers are in high demand. Teen unemployment is the lowest it's been since the early 1950s. According to the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, it's down to the single digits. Some businesses are relying more heavily on teens and young workers to help them fill roles usually reserved for people who are a bit older with more work experience. One small business based in Asheville is a good example. Evans Prater is the founder and CEO of Mount Inspiration Apparel. His general manager, Mary Grace Flattery, is just 19 years old. They join us now. Thank you both for being here. Hi. Hi. So, Evans, let's start with you. What's this year been like for your company? 
Well, it's been quite a roller coaster. We actually have opened our third location and unexpectedly been expanding quite a bit through this whole pandemic experience. Um, but at the same time, we've uh, definitely relied quite heavily on uh, younger workers as they see, seem to be the, the only ones who are uh, responding to our, our ads and calls for uh, employment. Well, let's turn to you, Mary Grace. You're managing multiple retail stores at just 19. Is this the kind of responsibility you expected at this age? Um, Not necessarily. It more so fell into my lap. I've worked in lots of leadership roles kind of throughout my past jobs, but definitely never thought at this young of an age I would have this much responsibility. So, Evans, what did you see? I know that you said a lot of people weren't responding, but what did you see in Mary Grace that made you think, okay, she's 19, she can handle a promotion to general manager? Yeah, that was um, a very interesting time period. Uh, We had been going through a couple general managers uh, who just weren't a great fit. And Mary Grace actually started with us when we opened our second retail store last October And it was kind of just one of those, you know, the second I had a moment to actually work beside her, I saw that she just really understood everything that needed to be done around her and understood how to deal with customers really well and with other employees quite well. And I just kind of stuck that knowledge in my back pocket until um, in January, we, you know, decided that it was time for another general manager And rather than go through the whole hiring process uh, again, I asked Mary Grace if she felt like she could step into the role, uh, knowing what I knew about her prior performance. And um, she's been absolutely amazing. So it feels like a very lucky and and good move uh, all around. But also a move I imagine wouldn't have happened if you didn't find yourself in this situation. Correct. Um, I, I definitely think that for whatever reason, with uh, so many teenagers <laughs> being available, not to dog on Mary Grace, but as a you know a numbers game, and we went through enough people and um, had enough young people at the time that we finally found someone who was really really good. Mary Grace, what are some of the benefits of being a young manager? Um, I think one of the biggest things is being able to really relate to everyone that works closely with me um, and being able to manage people who are of a similar age. Um, There's definitely struggles to that, but I think more than anything, I can use it to my advantage because I can understand where they're at in life and relate to them on a a friend level more than just a manager level. Is it ever hard um, to be managing some people that are significantly older? Yes, it is definitely a lot more of a struggle, I would say, managing people that are older than me, just with the typical stereotype of having a younger manager. And a lot of times they don't want to listen to me because they are older than me. Now, Evans, you said that a lot of the reason your staff is younger right now is because they're the ones applying for the jobs and, and taking these jobs. Are you a little worried about what might happen in the fall with people going back to school? Um, I was a little worried about what would happen in the fall. It looks like we have hit a really interesting sort of cycle where we have some people who return to uh, Boulder and Asheville during the summer and winter break periods. And uh, those people, you know, seem like they're going to be uh, regulars during those times. Then they leave for the fall um, and spring semesters. And 
on the reverse side of that, we have people who come back to uh, those towns because they're college towns. So I think we might actually be okay. Um, it's looking like we've got quite a few people uh, leaving and quite a few people returning who are all in that teenage and, and college demographic. So fingers crossed. It's interesting, Evans, you're investing in young people. And we've seen in today's workforce that people bounce around a lot, company to company. Is is this a strategy to create a long-term workforce that might stay with you long-term? Well, I'm sure hoping so. Um, it seems like, you know, we, we do have that typical amount of quote-unquote young person turnover. But we do have some really valuable people who are quite young, obviously, like Mary Grace and several other managers, and even some uh, 18 and 19-year-old interns who are working on some really fascinating and intricate uh, projects for me right now. And I would be very uh, honored and grateful to, you know, whenever they're ready to graduate, see if they would like to continue to work for us. Time has yet to, to tell, but it does seem like it could, you know, if you, if you treat your people properly uh, and with enough kindness and respect, it seems like it, it really could be an actually a pretty good long-term strategy. Now, Mary Grace, I know well, we have your boss on the line, but do you see yourself in this job long-term or at this company long-term? Yes, I see it being my forever career. Evans Prater is the founder and CEO of Mount Inspiration Apparel. Mary Grace Flattery is the general manager. Thank you both so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. You know what I was doing at 19? I was a grocery store clerk, so I'm very impressed. <laughs> I was dropping out of college and driving across the country living in my Ford Explorer, so... Well, there you go. Well, it turned out all right, though. Turned out all right. <laughs> ah, Sunday. Coffee and oranges in a sunny chair. As the line from the Wallace Stevens poem goes, for many office workers, that line could also describe Monday and Tuesday and the rest of the week spent working from home for the last year or so after organizations shuttered offices to promote social distancing. Gallup says some 70% of the workforce in white-collar jobs, which they define as occupations traditionally performed in offices or behind a computer, is still working from home. And more than half of them want to stay remote as much as possible. Well, workers, don't raise your hopes too high. Employees think that just because they want it, they're going to get it. And that kind of goes a little bit against the social contract that exists between the employer and the employee. That's Tom Gimble. He runs the staffing and recruiting firm LaSalle Network in Chicago. In March, LaSalle sent out a survey asking over 350 top executives and HR heads what they plan to do about returning to the office. And 70 percent of companies plan to bring their employees back to the office in the fall of 2021. As vaccination rates improve and the number of serious COVID cases trends downward, that's only looking more likely. But those CEOs were saying that in March. So what was driving their opinions then? Innovation, collaboration, and retention. When there's people in a conference room that can see each other's eyes and get the feeling of the energy, that that creates collaboration and it sparks innovation. And mm -hmm. it's a heck of a lot easier to leave a company when you don't go in every day and you don't have as many relationships. And that's what happens when you're working from home. And so if companies can get people together, they're going to create more and they're going to be happier and want to stay there longer. 
I'm Alexia Cambon. I'm a research director at Gartner, where I head up research looking at the employee experience. So we polled white collar workers, office workers, and asked them what it was that they had really enjoyed about working remotely over the course of the pandemic. And we found a couple of things. So the first one is that they just enjoyed having more control over their work environment. So employees with a disability, for example, were all of a sudden able to design work in a way that suited them. Same thing for women. Another piece that we found was a greater ability to integrate personal and professional obligations. You know, we don't really realize how much time commuting takes from us. And I think we're starting to understand now that it takes away from personal time. It is time away from loved ones, from our children, from our hobbies. But the pressure to return to the office isn't just coming from the C-suite. Cities are eager to have their commuters back commuting again. Des Moines has a very large employment base downtown, and we have somewhere between 70 and 80,000 workers who work downtown. Jay Byers is president and CEO of Des Moines Partnership, which helps foster economic and community development. His job is to lure employees to his city and to make sure there's a healthy amount of businesses to serve those employees, restaurants and dry cleaners and entertainment venues. We have the highest concentration of insurance workers actually in the country. And so, you know, when COVID-19 hit, a large number of those employees, uh, you know, started working from home and, and all these companies made these pivots, which, but as you can imagine, um, it definitely made the streets of downtown Des Moines very, very quiet. Have you been lobbying bigger businesses to make sure workers return? I mean, what has been your sort of role in that? Yeah, so we have definitely led by example. Our entire team has, has been back and we've been activating our events as well, too, um, our farmer's market uh, in downtown Des Moines, which um, on any given Saturday attracts more than 20,000 people. We've been up and running since the beginning of May. We hosted the Dew Tour for professional skateboarding a couple of weeks ago. So there's a lot going on. We're definitely leading by example and, and trying to create that fear of missing out. The Labor Department reported Friday that employers added 850,000 jobs in June, beating expectations and well above the previous three months' average. That's a strong labor market, and it means that an office worker who's not so keen to go back to the office full-time or to spend so much time commuting may just have some leverage. And that may come to the benefit of places, well, like Des Moines. We have had a number of folks who have moved here who you know, are still working you know, in other cities as well. Well, we had roughly 300 people we hired in the last year. Christy K. Burma is executive vice president of human resources at Athene Holding, an insurance company with offices in New York City, Stanford, Connecticut, El Segundo, California, Hamilton, Bermuda, and West Des Moines, where she works. We are starting to see applicants from larger cities because larger cities have a higher cost of living and they have commuting issues, so they can move to a more affordable, thriving community like Des Moines. So we are starting to see that trend. CEOs need to make a decision of what kind of company they want to have. Tom Gimbel of LaSalle Network. Now, I'm not saying just because I like having people in the office and think it's best, I'm not throwing stones at people that don't. And I think that if you want to have a company that's completely remote, Godspeed. I think that's great. I think we all have to pick how we run our companies and employees have to pick what type of company they want to work for and where the prioritization is of those things. Alexia Cambon at Gartner agrees and says employers and employees both have an opportunity now to reimagine office work. We're kind of in this pivotal moment in time where we shouldn't just be recreating 
what we used to do. We shouldn't just be virtualizing the office and we shouldn't be going back to what we were doing pre-pandemic. What we saw a lot of organizations do during the pandemic was to effectively just virtualize the way that they had worked in the office. So to just recreate um, how we used to work uh, in the office at home. And that has been causing real issues for employees. That has been driving real fatigue. Well, we don't know what the long-term repercussions of everybody working remotely is. And in one side of the of society, we say that mental illness is just as big of a health risk as physical illness. But yet we have mental illness coming as a result of isolation, working alone and not being in an office, and it's being discounted because people want it. And that, to me, is lunacy. I think the way to think about the office now is to really understand what is worth commuting into the office for. What is it that the office can offer us that the home environment or the third space cannot? And this is where companies are going to have to get very good at doing that analysis for their specific value proposition, for their specific culture. So maybe my plans of hosting weekend edition from a beach in Portugal or Greece will just have to wait. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, July 9, 2021. So I have been told this is our weekly broadcast neutralizing workplace racism. This broadcast not for spectators. If we have victims of white supremacy anywhere in the known universe, if you have figured out some things where you don't have the typical problems that we heard about in the segment, they don't have audio recordings of your white coworkers mocking you and saying, you know, hey, if they're going to promote this Negro, you know, don't promote this Negro to my job. You know, I support diversity and BLM and all this other foolishness but I mean hey get your own piece of cornbread they don't have audio like that your colleagues they authentically celebrate your success and cheer you on and help you out and want to see you do well in the workplace your employees they support you and your health decisions if you want to be home you want to come in make it happen whatever's going to support your health your well-being well-being of the company that's the type of work environment that you enjoyed regularly. How did you do it, sister? How did you do it, brother? Share. Let us know so we can try and emulate your good times. The number is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate, the number again, 720-716-7300, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. You can also email untiljustice at gmail.com until justice at gmail 
com. We can keep it anonymous if you have thoughts, recommendations, suggestions, blah, blah. The audio segments that we heard at the beginning, my goodness, so many things in the news this past week, really the whole time through COVID, there's been just lots and lots of dialogue about what's happening in the workplace and how things have changed and all that. And then the protests as well. Okay, so they start off with the whole nonsense with Rachel Nichols at ESPN. I don't watch ESPN. I don't think this is the most important component of workplace racism. However, this is very common. Number one, before we go any further, Rachel Nichols is affirmative action. If there's going to be any talk about diversity and inclusion and all the rest of it, white women like Rachel Nichols are the undisputed champions of affirmative action. In fact, her entire career, that doesn't mean that she didn't work hard and all that other nonsense, but I mean, there is a long record of loafing white people who didn't work hard. And hey, just because I'm a white woman, I'm a white man in the system of white supremacy. Hey, I'm an expert in, you know, all the rest of it. Either way, uh, Rachel Nichols, for her to be the star at ESPN, that right there is the power of white supremacy racism and the power of white women can't have a system of racism without white women. We talked about, or at least I have talked about this for years. That is all nonsense. White women, we're co-victims and it's white patriarchy and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've asked also, what are you willing to give up? You got a regular seat at this network. You're making good money. Like one time at the finals that you've been at the finals before, right? It's every year, right? Do you have to do it every year? You're not willing to give up one chance at the finals. And it's not like LeBron James and Steph Curry and, you know, the bigger James uh, Harden who just got arrested in Paris. It's not like the biggest stars in the league. It's Milwaukee. Who wants to go to Milwaukee? Rob even tried to get out of there. <laughs> like, who wants to go to Milwaukee? And the desert in Arizona, it's not even like they're going anyplace. Hey, let her have this one. Hopefully next year they'll get it correct. And it'll be someplace cool and get back where it can be in, you know, Golden State or L.A. or Miami or, you know, someplace flat. Not Milwaukee. Nobody wants to go to Milwaukee, Cleveland. Nobody wants to go there either. Anyway, uh, no, no, no. That's not what you get from old tacky Rachel Nicholson, who was the white man that she was talking to? Let's identify everybody. Who was this fella who says, I'm just worn out, man. Me too. Black Lives Matter. I'm worn. I'm just done. I, I just, I don't have anything left. What does that mean? And she thought this was funny. I, what does that mean? What are you exhausted about with Black Lives Matter? Have you been out protesting? You got pepper sprayed? Let me find out that was Scott Van Pelt. Let's see. I thought it was so important. They played the audio of her lame apology, but they didn't play the audio of let's hear everything that was said in this conversation about, oh, Maria Taylor. I think that's unjust networking. Sounds like the click down at the courthouse in Florida. They sit around and I'm telling you, that's every single victim 
I don't care what type of job you have, whether you work at ESPN, you work at the courthouse, uh, you do phone repair, you do Wi-Fi installation, you work at McDonald's, construction, whatever it is, that sort of unjust networking where we sit around and grouse about the Negras, that's every single job. That's just standard operating procedure. We sit around and grouse and complain about the Negras. Even we don't have anything. We just sit around and make up things to grouse and complain about the niggers, especially if the niggers are doing well. Like, ooh, then it's probably going to be plotting. What are we going to do to take these niggers down? Incidentally, I thought it was equally important. They sat. This is another one, just like with Ray Rice. Any time where they have recordings where you don't hear it immediately, something that you would have had this response as soon as you got it, that didn't happen. They wait a year before you hear about this or two. I think they said 2019. Why are we just hearing about it now? All of that is suspicious because white people are conniving. Whoever made this recording, it could have just been, man, Rachel Nichols got on my nerves this week, man. She did whatever or she took my parking space or whatever. I'm upset. The Rona got on my nerves. I didn't get the bonus I wanted. Put that recording anything like that why are we hearing about this now as they said ESPN has a long lame record on I guess what they call so-called diversity next let's see oh in the cancer culture they had even lame Adam Silver who's the uh, presides over the NBA it's like man talking about all this lameness we had Black Lives Matter stenciled on the court and all that last year remember now we got to talk about all this nonsense instead of being focused on the games uh, he says, man, it's such a shame. I don't endorse all that cancel culture and firing people. Incidentally, they didn't fire Rachel Nichols. She's just not working at the finals. I don't even think she lost any money or anything. Incidentally, and, he says, and then they pitted against these two women and, ran, 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 and all that and get through all of this. The system of white supremacy, not white privilege. They said that lame word white power, white supremacy is at the root of all this. And again, Rachel Nichols is affirmative action. Next, let's see. Nicole Hannah-Jones. And that's another one I thought was kind of celebrity. I've said this the whole time through. I've said the same thing. Black misandry. So if it was Dr. Tommy Curry, Dr. T. Hassan Johnson, any other equally qualified, competent black male, and Nicole Hannah-Jones has a white parent, Cowbell, point that out as well but if it was just a regular old black male eight black great grandparents all born in the continental u.s would it be this type of hoopla and hysteria and demand and controversy and we got a rally and protest and you got to get dr curry tenure right now would it be that Mm, would you have npr and all these other outlets talking about it every day if it was dr t hassan johnson I doubt it seriously. Black misandry. Anyway, uh, so Hannah Nicole Jones going to Nicole Hannah Jones, excuse me, Nicole Hannah Jones going to Howard University, not the University of North Carolina for tenure. Uh, bravo for her, if that's even cause for Bravo. Immediately, I said, man, unless I've been mistaken in a system of white supremacy racism, individuals classified as white control Howard University and the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill unless I've been misinformed 
if I'm incorrect on that one, at minimum, racist white supremacists can cause a lot of problems for Negro faculty, even at Howard University. And I know I'm not wrong on that one because of the grandcestor, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing. I don't think it is a logical exp- or expectation that a black professor can think going to a, an HBCU, as they are called, will give you some sort of sanctuary. No such thing exists. Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, Howard University, mm. in the archives, what she had to say about her experiences there, her difficulties, tribulations there. Uh, incidentally, they said that Nicole Hannah Jones, that she's most known for her 1619 project, slavery, white supremacy, this part of the world. She's been writing for a long time. When I hear her name, I generally immediately think of her and education uh, because she wrote so many articles uh, talking about education and racism for years in the New York Times and ProPublica and many, many outlets. She was on uh, Melissa Harry, Harris Perry's program some years back and talking about racism education uh her both her personal decisions and michael brown jr that's what i think of i think the 1619 project is more recent last year or so but she's been writing about racism and education for years uh let's see they talked about having a tacky parade for the essential workers i thought that was so lame like you could i mean it's lots of things that you could do like hook us up with uh get james dolan to get sweets for all of the essential workers. You could break it up so that they all get different games. Uh, you can make it so that it takes up maybe the first three, four months of the season. They have 41 home games each season. So you could easily break that up and bring all the essential workers in for sweets or get them front row courtside uh, tickets. You know, again, you got 41 games, so you can get them all in or get them all at a minimum. Get them all tickets. Bang. Next game, uh, Giants game, like and raise get them all you know tickets to uh cars to starbucks like what is a parade and then some of those very same essential workers you do the parade now you got to turn around and go all right get all this confetti up get yeah that's it sweep all that up yeah yep yep yep, yep. i mean i'm good that's what they did before right they just this is a more glorified version of that when they would come out and bang pots and pans in the morning doesn't get any better than tacky half-eaten bag of peanut M&Ms next black missing I just keep saying the same thing I've said it consistently with like NPR and a lot of the mainstream outlets when they talk about racism in the workplace a lot of times it will be very much biased towards they'll say like uh, women of color and that type of thing where another way where they can pull in white women the whole segment on hair We've talked a lot over the years about hair issues for black females in the workplace. We've had uh, whole programs. Naturalista Cosmetics, black female who was being terrorized, had a uh, natural hair care site online offering healthy products for black females. Subject to all this white supremacy terrorism. We did a whole program on that. Talked with uh, the late Pamela Evans Harris, the beauty con game. All of that to say, we just had Brian S. Bentley on the program Monday, four days ago. And he said, man, my job at the LAPD, it took me almost an extra year to get hired because partly razor bumps. 
They said, oh, you got to be clean shaven, and that's the look of a professional LAPD officer, and you got those nigger bumps, I mean razor bumps there. Oh, no, you got to do something about that. I don't know if you need to go see a dermatologist or blah, 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 and all this. So he had to go and do all this nonsense, and he said that was such a major issue. The shaving, we've heard that before, retired firefighter. The lip bumps, we uh, the lip beers, excuse me, for black firefighters, but that's come up repeatedly for black males. Are you going to have locks? Are you going to have cornrows and oh, oh, all the rest of it? Like uh, all the rest of it. It's like, man, how is that just totally excluded from the conversation? I totally get it. Black females, lots of issues with hair and the military just made their change in policy. But that's another one with shaving, beards, locks cornrows what's going to be allowed just to have that completely erased uh, from the conversation black misandry is an enormous component of white supremacy racism next um, even though I do see a value that segment they were talking about taking this program to get I guess uh, beauticians white non-black beauticians to be professional so that they can also care for black hair I can see a value in that I guess but white people have long professed that they were not really interested in doing black people's hair so Um, the cash bonuses I guess that'll be the last piece that I comment and then we can hit the phone lines and stuff I was talking to some of the cows listeners and they were saying man folks not going back to these crummy jobs like going to deliver pizza and fast food and some of these other occupations like God bless them I do not blame them if they took the time from the pandemic to say, hey, I'm going to reevaluate what's important. Is this crummy, what they call it, dead end job? Is this really the best investment of my time and energy where people are dying all the time? And they're talking about all this grief and loss and all the rest of it. Like, man, is this what I should be doing? Maybe I should be doing something else. I think you might have had a number of folks with all this time and everything that is what they are doing like I'm going to take this time and see if I can do something better with my time and energy that is limited nobody is promised tomorrow that's been shown to us over and over again over the last year and a half or so so if that's what's taking place and that's why they're having to resort to all this tackiness and cash bonuses and other tricks to try to lure people in I thought it was great that they said hey if you can negotiate a higher salary that would be better than some one-time cash payout, which again shows that they have resources. They could just give people raises. They don't want to do that. Find some way to trick you in. And once you realize that this is lame, you don't even get your full cash bonus. Like, oh, you only work two months, so you only get $500, not the full 1000 Tacky and cheap all the way. And then when they talked about the exploitation of young people, because they got a lot of older people, said, man, I don't want to do this. I'm going to figure out something else. So they get these 19-year-olds and what happens said, hey, we'll promote her to general manager. I mean, you talk about exploitation shack. I suspect that you will have lots of 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds who are not very informed at all about that work environment. So you can all kinds of exploit them in a variety of of different ways that's why I talk about too very important to talk to your children uh, about racism the work environment so they can be more prepared but I can see a lot uh, of just being very manipulative having someone that young 
Uh, and then they're being promoted and all the rest of it. And then the resistance, especially, can you imagine being 19 and a black person, male or female? And now you're supposed to be in charge, allegedly. And now people, are, you got to see, you try to get out there and you're supposed to be managing white people. Even try to go in and manage black people who are maybe old enough to be your parent or something. Yikes. Good luck with that one. Talk to your children about racism and the workplace experience. Uh, the number again is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. I did want to make sure I included as well. I posted it online. There was a report just within the past day or so in St. Louis, many other places as well, but this is just St. Louis. They said, I believe this is for uh, this coming fall. Is it the fall? Yep, by fall. So this is uh, St. Louis Public Radio. Uh, They announced yesterday St. Louis hospitals will require all employees to get the COVID-19 vaccine by fall. And I've seen lots of other uh, different state employees. I think I had the report last week where it was uh, San Francisco implying city employees to be vaccinated. I think same type of time schedule by the autumn, something like that. Something to think about the seeming like it's becoming more widespread required vaccinations for certain employees. Uh, I don't know if that's happening in your area or your field. Definitely let us know. Is this something you're concerned about? Are you already vaccinated so it doesn't concern you? Is this something that would sway you to be vaccinated? Do we have folks who, hey, I don't care. I'm not getting vaccinated regardless. We have people who are doing the with the uh, bogus vaccine cards, that sort of thing as well. You can let us know, I guess. Uh, but it does seem like this is going to be more common, especially going into the fall. And especially if it continues, like what they're saying with the Delta variant and resuming mass requirements uh, for certain folks or for everybody, if they're inside and that type of thing, like, oh, yeah, I could see by the time it starts to get cold, September, October, I could easily see more of this. We'll see. Uh, Let's see. Folks who dialed in with a hand up. Uh, If you have commentary, again, if we have folks who have figured out some things that work well, solving problems in the workplace without creating new problems, minimizing conflict, your coworkers and what have you, let us know the vaccine issue. If that's come up in your workplace as well, definitely let us know. Did this sway you to get vaccinated or are you resisting all the way? Uh, Let's see. Folks who dialed in with a hand up line should be open. Hello. Yeah, yes, ma'am. Uh, caller in Georgia. Hi. Hi. Um, good evening, everyone. Thank you for taking my call. Hope everyone's having the best evening they can have. Um, I think if you are a younger person working with older people and you are a manager, first, um, if you're young and you're able to get that opportunity, I actually encourage you to get that opportunity, even if it doesn't last forever. Have being a manager on your resume does mean something in terms of leadership and going forward. So if you can be a manager, you can um, hopefully you have parents or someone that can kind of, you know, teach you some things about the workplace before you get in. But if you can be a manager 
at a young age, that will help you going forward because you have that skill. I know a lot of times, black, especially black people, it may take them longer to get into those type of leadership roles. So if you have that opportunity, I do say take, I personally would recommend you taking advantage of it. And when you're at work, especially when you work with older people, but if you're the young manager and you work with everyone, I suggest calling everyone Mr. or Mrs., whatever, um, unless, you know, they have this thing about the pronouns, just call me, whatever. Then just go with that. But call them Mr. or Mrs., whatever, so they tell you different. Um, I think that would help to establish professionalism. You know, I'm not here to be your friend, your buddy. You know, we're here to work together to get something done. And I respect you enough and believe that you can help help us get this done, but, you know, I'm going to need you to work with me. And that's, I think that's a simple gesture. It doesn't cost any money um, to do that. Uh, with Maria Taylor, it seemed like there was some problem before when she got hired. I don't know what they have. I don't know what's going on with her. She seems to be very confident. I haven't heard anybody complain about her performances at work or anything. But I, I just don't know with her. I'm not saying she's a bad person. I'm just saying they, they just keep seem like something happened last year or the year before, something else with this young lady. And I just hope she can, you know, stay encouraged. Um, the white lady, Rachel Nichols, from what I read online, she was talking to, I think his name was Adam Nicholson, and he's supposed to be an advisor to LeBron James. So that could be why he's tired of Black Lives Matter and all that. And that type of thing, I don't know. Um, and also, Rachel Nichols, I'm not saying she's not qualified or competent, but she is also the son, the daughter-in-law of famed director Mike Nichols, who passed away. And his wife, when he passed away, was noted journalist Diane Sawyer, her mother-in-law. And, of course, she works for ABC, and ABC is owned by Disney, as is ESPN. Again, I don't know her talent level. But, you know, she worked with family, so to speak. Um, and in addition, I don't know if people have heard, I kind of saw it online, a young African-American or a black girl. She won the spelling bee, the big national spelling bee, which I was like, yeah, good for her. And then her name came up in trending. I said, oh, that's cute. Let me read about this young lady. I'm so proud of her. I don't know her, but so proud of her. And no, they don't bring up well what book she read, the study, nothing that she's a basketball prodigy. Nothing wrong with being a basketball prodigy, but she just showed significant mental acuity, mental mental strength. You know, she had to read a lot. Even if she watched T V, she made her watch foreign films to learn how words are pronounced in different languages to get that together. You know, you don't just read a book and go off a spelling bee champion. That takes a lot of work, and the first thing you see, oh, she, yeah, she won a spelling bee, but she's a basketball prodigy. So, I mean, no offense to basketball prodigies, if you're out there, you know, that's what you want to do is do it to it. But, um, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't really that excited about that. They brought up that instead of just really focusing on her mental strength and her mental abilities that she has. I'm so happy for her. But I just feel like how they started framing the conversation around her. And um, the black hair care, I understand your point about men 
and that needs to be brought to the forefront. But I do know I went to a school, a beauty school, get my hair done. They're like, oh, we charge you extra because my hair was in natural state. A state, so it takes longer to do natural hair than it does to get permed. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. She's like, yes, it does. And I remember how long it took to get my hair done. It was the same amount of time it would take me to get, it would take me to get a relaxer like I used to. So, um, and that was, it was a school for ran by white people owned by white people, but the people actually working in the beauty school salon were black. The school, beauty school were black people. So um, there does something need to be done. And also for black men who would, like you said, get locks or they would get braids because they do that as well. Um, thank you. Much obliged caller in Georgia great uh, recommendation for the younger folks uh, to you know if they promote you or what have you put it on your resume can look great we talk about that all the time things to give your resume a boost uh, and learn all you can I think Mr. Fuller was saying that in some of the early audio that I played before we started like learn all that you can from that position about racism and the job in general that you can apply and use uh, moving forward as you said it might not last might be a temporary thing learn what you can while you have the opportunity um, was it with uh, Rachel Nichols what they call nepotism uh, where you go and, and hire all your, your family members and cousins and brothers and grandchildren and stepchildren and all the rest of it, nepotism, cronyism, uh, rampant uh, within the system of racism, white supremacy. Not saying that folks can't be talented and qualified and all the rest, but I mean, hey, if Diane Sawyer is not just my homie, she's a stepmom. Well, then, hey, that application looks even better. When I put it on top of the pile, huh? Just saying. I didn't hear that about Maria Taylor, that she had uncles and nephews and stepfathers who worked at Disney or ABC who could, you know, get her a few extra jobs or make sure she got a cushy spot at the finals to do some reporting. I didn't hear that. Maybe that maybe that exists for Miss uh, Taylor as well. I'm not surprised that she's had some difficulties. It seems like lots of black people have difficulties who work at ESPN, even though they don't have tons of black employees all the way back to the late Stuart Scott. I'm not a medical doctor, but I mean, hey, racism, white supremacy does have an impact on health. And the late Stuart Scott, there's recordings of him reporting. Wow, I am experiencing a lot of racism at this job. ESPN. Anywho, uh, that just seems like a lame racist excuse. It takes longer to do natural hair. Did you time? Do you have a stopwatch? How much longer? Penalty for not chemically straightening your hair. Other folks who dialed in with the hand up, did you have commentary? Line should be open. Proceed. Oh, can I be heard? Oh, yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, was anyone else talking before I chimed in? Because I accidentally pushed um, speaker and I couldn't hear. Uh, no, ma'am. It's uh, all yours. Okay, just a second. Okay, super. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Greetings to you and um, everyone on the line. So I was uh, 
I was thinking about the clip. You you played a clip with um, a guy. I guess he was basically um, talking about different people um, opting to uh, have their places being remote, their companies, or uh, making or having people coming in the office and and working. And um, the way he the, the way he was wording it, it it it's pretty good because um, either you're gonna work here or you're going to find a job that's remote it, it it's like that so I, I i like that because people i don't know what people think but you're gonna bend one way or the other or you're gonna have to find you and uh, these other people that may want to work from home and i do understand as far as the office space because everyone can't work from home because what about the office space so someone has to fill this so we can uh, pay whoever owns it or whatever happens with that. So I like that. That was that was that was a good clip. It's, yeah, that's gonna this is gonna be interesting. Um, this Corona moving forward. Um, and then with um, the, uh, the, um, the 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 ladies that they're talking about. Um, I, I don't. I remember. I see. Uh, the white, the, the Rachel Nichols. I don't watch a lot of um, bas. I watch well, people. The, I know ladies that watch basketball, so um, I, I'll be there. I won't. You know, I'll, I'll look, but I don't have a favorite anyone. And uh, but I definitely don't watch the lady uh, basketball. But um, I see the 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 ladies uh, around and stuff. Rachel Nichols, I see a lot because she's been a you know she's been around a lot. Um, I like when you said that she's affirmative action because she is affirmative action, and 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 we're we're not looking at that. I guess when you look at uh, use it in terms, um, she did exactly what she was gonna do, and um, I wonder why no one is talking about in this situation the lady that turned the tape in a year ago and got fired. I, you know, I wonder why no no one's bringing that up, um, and it's too bad because with that twist, there's other people to, in order to keep their job, they have to take up for. On top of the fact that they might already might have a, a warm heart for her because we're so distant uh, as people, they may care a little more about her having the job versus the the other black victim, and. Um, my workplace racism. So I have two. I'll make it quick. Um, I just got through typing about the little black boy um, <clears throat> because I I just I want I need if I'm as long as I'm on the case I need a different program for him. So that's my my dilemma. I don't want to keep going in there with the same program that was created in the out of air. When I met with the supervisor of the case, which was in May, wait, June, or she came, I saw her in June. I haven't seen her since June. And, um, <laughs> and, um, I was telling her, uh, run all these goals. Do, do this, look at this, run this, look at this, look at how he is. What, what, can we create something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Never happened. Still waiting on materials. <laughs> Come to find out our company even, like, match cards. Our company even has those. I can, you know, it's, it's because we, I started off as far as work. I started, the only work that I was able to get him to do that was forced was school. He does not care for school. So with me running the goals from school, he's not very interested. And I don't want to make him, he's on vacation right now, so I don't want to make him do schoolwork as goals. He needs a behavior program that's just based on calm body. Um, he's, he's, he's hopping all around. I just need, I, instead of running, you know, goals, uh, clap hands. No, 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 clapping hands. No, clap hands. I need something with behavior. Just something to deal with his behavior, the jump, and just I have, I have to focus a lot of my time on keeping him from jumping off of things. Um, and I'm responsible for him while I'm there, so uh, it's hard to run a program of things uh, identifying this in the row of three, and he's not, hey, now he's saying, stop, no, oh, no, and you know, <laughs> He's really not interested in it in that fashion, and I just need some help. So since the supervisor that doesn't care about him only saw him once, maybe, I think only just once. I think she only came one time. Only saw him once. I've been with him almost a year. What he does know, I have to figure out ways to, I have to make it happen. Um... So I talked to my supervisor because he'd overlap with me um, for my other little girl this week. And I said, oh, could you help me with this little boy? And so since that's not her case, she said she'd give me some pointers and stuff. So please. So we talked 2 o'clock today. My tablet got hot, so I couldn't finish talking, but I got the gist of it out. Um, then I typed the rest. Uh, she said she would talk to her supervisor about whatever I'm just, you know, basically telling you. And um, then school. I don't mind. I, yeah, so anyway, it's just a big mess. So I'm really just trying to help the child while I'm there. And I'm not taking any more children. My second part of racism, workplace racism, is the first client. So <laughs> the little girl's mom didn't go to work on Monday. So she's there. So uh, she's in there baking uh, cakes for pennies on the dollar. Sometimes I think she does a lot of this stuff. Uh, I don't know. She's, I guess she's a pretty good baker. I don't know. But people like her cakes, and maybe because they're so inexpensive and she puts a lot of work into it, and um, <laughs> if she even charges people. But uh, she's doing this cake. So anyway, uh, <laughs> the little girl comes in, and she wants to play in the – I guess she lets her do stuff when she's baking. So she wanted to play in the, maybe it was cornstarch. So she wants to play in it. And so she's like, no, go over there. Go with her and do this. Go in there and do this. I'm like, well, she's on her break. <laughs> so, 
Uh, and I said, well, Negro means black. And, you know, because that's the color. Because it means black. Because that's the color. Because it means black. I said, yeah, uh-huh, I know. Yeah, I did. I see that. You know, crayons, Negro. Yeah. And she said, yeah. And, you know, because we don't know anything about race or anything. We didn't even know, you know. And then I said, well, next I call them a little, my little uh, niggeritas, uh, you know, or whatever. It's my little black dots. And just because niggerita means, um, um, I know it's like a, something real sweet for black. I know that from maybe an Ecuador client I had. But anyway, because they always throw that up. And it's always, a bit, oh, they're always trying to act like, <laughs> oh, people crack me up. Anyway. So she's fighting for her life now, and I'm just looking at her because all I asked for was, was what color was the cat? And, you know, her, her son named him that. So her son is an adult. He's, like, born in the 70s adult, like maybe born in the 70s adult, that kind of age. And um, so somebody knows about racism. Somebody knows something to name the cat Sambo and then say, I'm going to name him that because he's black. And then you turn around and say, you're an immigrant and you don't know anything about color or anything or race. And then you got to throw up your stuff. And, you know, even if you look at me, you would think I was, um, 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 why did you hear my accent? And then people were racist about that. And people, and, and, um, so, um, and even with, you know, cause I, you, at least I didn't say nigger. At least I didn't say nigger. I said, <laughs> oh, okay, because, you know, because I, because you guys, you guys say, nigger, you guys say, why do you guys say? Then it got, of course, it's my fault. Of course, it's my fault. So now, because they had Sambal, now she wants to know why we be calling each other nigga nim to each other all the time. So I said, well, well, I already know why. I already know why. Cause I asked my black. That's the reason why you guys doing this because we can't, nobody else can. I go, oh, okay, well, so anyway, uh, back to the mom. So I brought it back to the mom and kind of tried to wrap it up a bit. And then grandma had to go drop the baby off. But, that was my work for racism. And um, thank you for taking my call. I'll meet my line. Mm, mm, mm. Context of white supremacy, Bay Area mom, back to masks. That's one where I would be glad. Like, thank you, Governor Newsom. I'm going to put my mask on for all of this so I can just sit here with my mouth agasp. Like, I cannot believe what I am hearing. <laughs> they'll, they'll be none the wiser. Um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't had an experience like that one to be in the workplace. And what's the cat's name? Sambo. <laughs> what color is the cat? He's black. He called him that because he's black. And then to have people interceded like whoa 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 we don't we we're ignorant about racism i mean hush up we don't know anything about racism we're ignorant we we just we just got here and you know like uh we didn't call a nigger 
uh, an immigrant. Like, let's just get back to the uh, plan. Thank you. Thank you, Sambo. Um, incidentally, uh, with anything like that, I would do my best. She just stayed in the question lane. What's the cat's name? Hmm. What color is the cat? Hmm. <laughs> Staying in the question lane. I see. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, within, once it gets to, you know, why do you all call each other? Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's just get back to the plan. Or you can even stay in the question lane on that one. Like, have you heard me use the word nigger, nigger, any other derivatives? No. Oh, okay. Well, perhaps you should save that question for when you bump into a nigra who uses that term. Incidentally, this would be another painful reminder. Of it basically all means the same thing. Black, Negro, nigger, nigga, Sambo, African American. You can add a whole lot of others, but they basically all mean the same thing. Uh, now, she mentioned the black child. Uh, black babies cost less, and just the goal of getting him to not be jumping off of things and what have you. The grandcester, when you play around with sex, the joke is on the offspring. People not even being concerned. She said the supervisor's not even concerned about the goals. I whatever he can jump off the the what do they call it the uh, banister, break his neck, whatever. Not my concern. We got other things. We got our Zoom call and our plans for the summer. Like we are not concerned about some shiftless black child. Moving on to the next thing. Um, incidentally, I did not know about the person being fired for the uh, initial recording of Rachel Nichols layers as I said like I said anything where they wait a long time before this becomes an event that in and of itself is suspicious and I see lots of that in the system of white supremacy due process let's go ahead and deal with this and move on as opposed to we're going to drag this out and wait two years and then spring it on you right after 4th of July like come on come on got enough fireworks Uh, let's see much obliged Bay Area mom uh, Sambo in the workplace that is uh, that's a good one where you don't lose your composure you're not cursing folks out she exactly what she did exemplary oh what's the what color was the cat oh okay you said what was the cat's name Sambo mm-hmm. <laughs> she didn't say she was what Sambo oh wow nope 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 just being caught even when when she said the grandmother hops up whoa 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 we're immigrants we didn't say that I didn't mean to say Sambo nigger and all the rest of it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like I said I just would not I'm not here to explain to you nigra or any of the derivations or why this is said in the history of Snoop Dogg in LA like that's not my job at all I'd still be updating my resume though because like man this is I guess this is a good day. Shout to Ice Cube like on the job. Like I guess it could have been worse. Like, woof, get me out of here, please. Uh let's see. The number again seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four 
9-4-3 pound press star 6-1 if you would like to participate well let's see other folks who dialed in with a hand up if you have commentary to share line should be open proceed hello greetings Rachel in New heard? York yes ma'am uh, good evening to all um, my report uh, I wanted to start with what, uh, questions about vaccination um, so right now I'm not having any issues with vaccinations no one's asked me about it at work which is great um, but here's my report for the past two weeks um, so the non-white female that I work with has gone on vacation so the director, white female, asked me where she went on vacation. So part of my code is not to talk about other co-workers, especially non-white co-workers. So I just told her she was visiting family. Um, I noticed that um, the white female nurse practitioner is not really skilled at drawing blood. She states, um, and because of that, she states that anyone can do it with the GED, but she has difficulty doing it. She also asked me if I spoke to the non-white female co-worker, again, about her vacation. And again, I did not give her any information about what's going on with the non-white female, and I told her I do not contact co-workers when they're on vacation. Um, and during a meeting with all the clinical staff, I was thanked for covering the nursing um, station duties on my own. The director made a comment um, she said, more, uh, I was more grateful than the non-white female. This makes me think um, that this is a racist way to put me in competition with the non-white female that I work with. Uh, the clinical staff is also being given weekly lectures about trans people. It's conducted by a white male who identifies as a gay male. I listen, and I also, um, but I don't ask any questions. Um, I have adopted Mr. Ford's code to call people what they want to be called. Um, and the last thing is, um, during my next supervision, I plan to talk to my supervisor, white female, about working from home. I'm thinking about whether I should say one or two days or leave the question open-ended. Okay, thank you. That's my request for this week. Hmm. Much obliged, Rachel R.D., who said she has not been harassed uh, about her vaccination status, which is interesting, working in the health field. Like, I just read that report in St. Louis. They're requiring uh, health employees in St. Louis. You have to be vaccinated by this fall. And, yeah, that's right on. They're not going to ask. Right on. Don't ask. Don't tell. Love it. Uh, As for working from home, Hmm. Be interested. Folks listening in have thoughts. You can email untiljustice at gmail.com or if you're with us, star six one and we'll hear your thoughts. Uh, I'm always for be greedy because that way you can negotiate. Like if you ask for three days and they say, we'll give you two. Hey, whoopee. We'll take that. You ask for two and they give you one right on. We can take that. Uh, you can leave it open. And see what they say. But yeah, I, I love it. I ask your mom uh, with young children, or at least a very young child. Um, yeah, I would ask. And uh, I think either the open ended 
or at least two days, maybe even three. You can start with three and see if you can get two days out of it, because I think they'll probably want to try and be stingy and do one. Uh, so if you start with three, see if they can give you two at least, or you can start open-ended and see what they say. But I love it. Ask. You're qualified. You're doing great work. Uh, just thank you for being taken over the nursing nursing station, and you've shown your competence and what have you. I say ask. The worst they can say is no, and uh might even get it. I'm all about be greedy, though. I think either open-ended or ask for three days, see if you can get the two. Asking for three, thinking that they'll say no for three, but maybe do two. That would be my thought process on it. Uh, if we have other listeners, if you have you know tips or, or how you would do the request, do you think it would be more advantageous to do it open-ended? Maybe would you be more conservative and just ask for two days see if they give her one maybe even just ask for one day see if you get that I don't like the one because then you have it's nowhere to go if you ask for one I guess they could do a half day eh, that doesn't make sense yeah always at least two at least two I say ask three um, the keeping you in competition with the non-white worker like that is so common uh, they do not want to see non-white people like cooperating courteous work together Nah, absolutely disgusts racist man, racist woman. They want gossiping. You heard where she's going on her vacation. I love it. Having a code like, nope, I do not discuss any details like and then to have two different people like, hey, uh, did you talk to Kara since uh, her vacation? Oh, isn't she? And that's what I love it. You could just come back. Oh, I thought Carl was on vacation, isn't she? You can still be in the question. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know. I didn't know. I thought, you know, you might have. She's another nigger. You're a nigger. I thought you all made a talk. Like, oh, no, I don't talk to employees while they're on vacation. That would just be my codified response. Like, any nigger in the building, they go on vacation. You already know. Gus is going to say, I don't talk to employees while they're on vacation in fact I might even switch it up on them from time to time and say I don't harass employees while they're on vacation sending a tone like how dare you ask have I been calling to check in and what are you doing and even she's on vacation we'll get at her when she gets back no I don't know anything about her vacation we'll get at her when she gets back the snooping, just prying, prying, prying. You talk to her. You heard from her. Where's she at? They're doing any drugs? Snooping, snooping. Now this is talking to you. Now imagine what that sounds like when it's just exclusively white people. Doctor Wellsing used to say, "What do white people talk about when it's no niggers around?" That's when they talk about the niggers. Uh, and then to get you all in competition, like we just we want to thank you. You know, you're you're not like the rest of the Negroes that work here. You know, you're so grateful. You know, that other Negra hussy, she wasn't grateful at all. She just sat there, looked all surly, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Straight from that, you don't have to say a word. That's, that's one. I would chalk that as gossip, too, to just sit there because it's, it's like, uh, how would I say it? It's it's as though ostensibly they're giving you a compliment like, oh, yeah, you're such a great worker. But it's really how the young folks say throwing shade. But I say we shouldn't say that because that's another one where it's something foul, something bad being associated with darkness, blackness. That was even in the audio. It's a dark time. Uh, so I try to get away from that. But it's 
it seeming like it's a compliment at you, but it's really it's double duty. Like I get to put down another Negro who's not even here with just gossiping, gossiping, talking bad about this person and gossiping. Maybe if we talk bad about it, then you'll be a little bit more willing to get. Come on, you know a few details. Where'd they go for vacation? She off doing drugs. She's smuggling drugs, isn't she? She's a mule in the Caribbean. That's what she's doing. Like, come on, come on, come on. Does not get any better than tacky. But I say ask for at least, uh, or ask for three days and or leave it open. Just as a mom, young child, trying to breastfeed and take care of my family during these perilous times, it would be advantageous if I could work from home a certain number of days per week love it or if I could work from home three days and they'll say oh my god that's crazy this nigger's lost her mind we can afford maybe two I go woohoo take my two days make Monday and Friday get to chill and have what was that four day weekend every week uh, let's see if we get input if folks uh, what do you think would work best if we have had anyone who's already done this if you've already made your request I would like a hybrid schedule which way has worked out? Did you ask set number of days? Did you just leave it open and boop, they gave you, you know, said take how many days you need. Like, has anybody done this and it worked out well? Give us some tips and or just if you have some logical thought as to what might be uh, received best. Asking open-ended three days, two days, one day. What do we think? Uh, folks have suggestions for Rachel in New York, uh, your own situation. 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 to participate any tips Rachel in New York folks can take a sec think about it uh, again if we have any anyone who has made this request already if it worked out well you got the number of days that you wanted or if it didn't let us know you know what words did you use in your request uh, and then we can you know kind of see what has worked what hasn't but they say hey this uh, labor market many folks have had that advantage to make that request and have gotten it so hey the worst they can say is no Uh, let's see while folks are getting their thoughts together oh wait a minute did I get everything the GED anytime someone mentions a GED I think of Mark Furman uh, and the anti-sexual behavior being promoted there was Gil Garcetti got nominated not Gil Garcetti I said the wrong Garcetti Eric Garcetti was nominated for what was it? Uh, an overseas post. Was it Palestine? I forgot the exact location, but the mayor of Los Angeles got nominated for a post overseas post ambassadorship from President Joe Biden uh, today. Now, uh, 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 let me see if they give the they probably don't mention it here, but. I said, wow, that's interesting because the L.A. Times, they just had a report uh, that the, uh, Eric Garcetti, a staffer, was engaged in 
all kinds of inappropriate conduct in the workplace and that this wasn't uh, being addressed in a correct manner and that Eric Garcetti knew about this. Uh, let me see if I can find it because I was like, oh, we talk about this all the time uh, for workplace racism. Let's see. Yep. Former Garcetti staffer describes unwanted kissing by aid. Now, this was just yesterday in the L.A. Times. Uh, and this is uh, Gil Garcetti prosecutor for the O.J. Simpson trial and Geronimo Pratt eventually uh, he wanted to be mayor his son is mayor so everything goes back to O.J. Simpson a former high level aide to Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti testified last month that former Garcetti advisor Rick Jacobs kissed both her and her husband on the mouth without their consent and that a male Garcetti staffer separately complained to her that Jacobs made a pass at him. They call it equal opportunity employer. Good gosh. Former Garcetti communications director Naomi Seligman said in deposition testimony that Jacobs grabbed her and kissed her on the lips in 2016 in front of several staffers an incident she called humiliating. Seligman, who worked in the mayor's office from 2015 to 2017, also testified that she complained about the incident to Garcetti Chief of Staff Anna Guerrero, but that nothing was done. I'm not going to read the rest of the report, but it uh, goes on from there like, say, or I've said consistently, you really have to, India, that's it. Uh, Eric Garcetti being nominated as an ambassador to India that's it but I've said consistently uh, for the workplace very important uh, boundaries someone you know comes up to get all close on you and smooching and unwanted touching and petting and feeling immediately do not ever do that again stick that hand out whoa back up like make it really firm with your boundaries that's so much of body language and how you speak making eye contact with people uh, just being about business carrying yourself in a serious manner in the workplace that's what I say all the time not being about uh, gossip and rumors and that sort of thing this is a professional work environment I'm going to conduct myself as a professional and I'm going to expect professional conduct from everyone else here that's the energy that we want to give off and put off and again I would practice male or female as you just heard in that report they said this dude is making passes at everybody Rick Jacobs passes at females males everybody practice well, this is what I say back up off of me extend your arm like you're pushing someone away or knocking their hand away or whatever space back up do not ever do that again and then you can report or whatever you need to do but man like that all of that unwanted touching and sexual abuse in the workplace is super that's what I said that or that's that's one of many components that I was thinking about when they were talking about these 19 year olds males or females being getting all these promotions and things in the workplace like wow that is putting someone in position for all kinds of manipulation if they don't have support resources in place like wow context of white supremacy number again 720-716-7300 the code 
pounds Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in with a hand up, uh, if you have commentary again. So we have Rachel in New York. Now her, uh, she's requesting uh, input. Folks, which, uh, what would be the best way to go about requesting uh, some extra time so she can be a great mom and be at home and do some breastfeeding and uh, just other motherly things as opposed to being at the office every single day in the midst of this ongoing pandemic. Uh, other folks who joined us, hand up. Line should be open. Can I be heard? Retired firefighter in Florida. Yes, sir. Greetings, Gus. Greetings to uh, everyone on the line. Uh, by the, uh, I would say, almost globally uh, case of Miss Richardson, the uh, world-class athlete. I believe she's a professional. Um, it reminds me of, and I don't want to, I'm not going to talk about athletics or anything like that. It just reminded me of, uh, some of the, uh, basis of what a person should be either prepared for or have an understanding of, uh, when they seek employment, go about the task of getting employed uh that uh they should uh already have a pretty much uh solid foundation of what to uh look out for in, in my in my experience and and thoughts under the global system of racist white supremacy it's more efficient for white people to be able to harm non white people with the the least means of being identified as a racist and the easiest way that from my experiences that they have been able to do that is by getting rid of non-white people for being late to work to uh who has uh problems with uh altering substances, you know, such as alcohol or, or, uh, uh, quote unquote drugs of all types, that sort of thing. Uh, and they have a, uh, urine test, that sort of thing. I would, I would advise everybody most, I, I would, I would suspect very strongly. Most of the people who call, call into Gus program is already scripted on this, but you have nephews, nieces, children of your own. Uh, you may be pretty close to some other, some of your friends, young people, and just, you know, just constantly remind them or basically have a learning plan of some type of, of uh, uh, teaching them on how these things are vitally important uh, when it comes to employment. Uh, so 
when they are confronted with with this in employment that they would have a least problem with it or if they do have a problem with it they would know how to solve it before it becomes a situation where they are no longer working on their job or thrown or thrown off their job and in turn it becomes a record with them in future employment uh there is no there is there is no proof that marijuana solves personal problems that I that I'm aware of. Uh, so these are some of the things that that need to be uh, counseled with that young person that that uh, I mentioned before that you know that you may be close to enough to have those type of conversations with or have that kind of uh, relationship with that person, or you may be a part of a mentoring group is to, or, or form one or, or, or form a mentoring group because they certainly need to hear that. I would say the starting period would be somewhere in and around uh ladder, middle school, high school, uh, college, especially, or some sort of, trade preparation that a person is, is young person is doing to get prepped by having, by being qualified to do something. It could be a welder or whatever trade school, that sort of thing to make them aware of those things, make them aware of those things. So when it does come up, they are prepared to make the right decision. And because what and making the right decision, you have to be prepared for it ahead of time, ahead of time before that urine test, you know, uh, preferably, uh, that you're not, you're not, uh, involved with anything like that in the first place. So the urine test wouldn't affect you. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it, it's vitally important. It's something that's doable very much most of us have a not just one but uh, a gambit of young people that they are around uh that they can have these type of conversations with and uh it would be and you know still at that point in their life they they, they would listen to someone who is uh, like yourself, who have had the experience. And uh, so they would be able to effectively navigate and or avoid uh, such situations like Miss Richardson, because there's no guarantees that she'll be able to uh, uh, have that opportunity again. I mean, hear a lot of people talking about another four years, but that. You can't, you can't, you can't count on that, you know? So, uh, that's basically what was in my mind. Hopefully I did a good job of explaining what was on my mind and that's all I have to say. Thank you. Mm, mediocre, mediocre, uh, retired firefighter in Florida, uh, talking about Shakari Richardson, uh, being left off of the 
2020. Yeah, I was going to say the 2020 Olympic team. That's what it is, even though we're in 2021. But yeah, the 2020 Olympic team uh, saying that she tested positive for uh, cannabis. And I knew retired firefighter was going to speak about this. He had mentioned it uh, last week on the compensatory call in. And I thought about it and I said, oh, man, now I am. I do have a segment to play about what happened with her tomorrow for the compensatory call in. But I said, man, that is workplace racism. I said the same thing. He said professional athlete. They have sponsors and all the rest of it. Like, yep, that would be workplace racism. That's her job. Uh, And I said, if anything, the thing that we say on workplace racism all the time, policy and procedure like I'm not a track and field athlete. I can't spell Olympics. We were just talking about the Olympics yesterday in the book club with Tupac and him being at the 96 uh, Olympics, same year that he was assassinated. Um, All of that said, I suspect if you are an Olympic athlete, doesn't matter the sport like weightlifting, track and field, equestrian, equestrian, triathlete, they drug test all athletes. Uh, I think anyone who's seen the Olympics, you should know this by now that they do have drug testing. So if I'm really serious about this, like, hey, I got to know that I'm going to have to pass a drug test at some point. So, hey, can't be having any snafus here and all the rest. I mean, they say sacrifice and, you know, all that good stuff. Just this is the sport that I have chosen right now. They got drug tests. Maybe, you know, that will change at some point and all the rest of it. But as for right now, they got drug tests. Policy and procedure. We talk about that pretty often neutralizing workplace racism uh, and definitely talking to folks. Cause I've heard that not with the Olympics, like this happens as I think retired firefighter said that part too, <laughs> like uh, in his explanation, like, this happens on a regular basis where white people, hey, nobody can say we practiced racism and kept Shikari Richardson off the Olympic team. Everybody knows pole vaulters, right? Triple jump relay team. Everybody knows we got drug tested or we got drug testing, right? Can't say that this isn't racism. We got policy and procedure gotta follow the rules we can't have athletes doping went through all that with lance armstrong and blah 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 blah. so gotta be clean when you go into the olympics yeah everybody would have to say yeah that's true yeah 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 this doesn't just happen to black people with the olympics this happens like getting a job at ups and the post man i remember tyler craig is a comedian y'all can look black male he recently uh passed away at a very young age, I think at like 50, might not even have been 50, but very young age, like total disgrace system of white supremacy. But I took, I worked at the uh, black comedy club in Atlanta, which was a whole nother experience, workplace racism too. I remember us sitting out on the balcony. I think these were my last two months working there. Everybody at the comedy club smoked, uh, or I'll say this way, many, many, many people smoked cigarettes and many other items at the comedy club. So we're sitting out on the balcony after a weekend show. Tyler Craig comes out comedian 
hey, what's up? I used to talk to him all the time. He's super down to earth, talk to everybody. And by this point, I'd worked there for a year. I think he was one of the first comedians that I met. So, like, at this point, I was like, hey, what's up, Tyler Craig? Blah, blah, blah. So, we're sitting outside talking. And he's, hey, let's go smoke. And I'm like, I am getting out of here, brother. <laughs> That's all good. That's great. Appreciate it. But I am going to make sure. A failed urine test is not what keeps me in Atlanta. And he's like, oh, man, I respect that's great, man. Like, do it, brother. Like, right on, get out of here. And he said the exact same thing. Retired firefighter just said, like, man, I know lots of folks where they do not do that. They will be saying, trying to get this job, trying to do this, trying to do that. And then the urine test. If you know that's coming, if you even think that could be a possibility, urine test, hey, be honest, some changes will have to be made. Very important. No yes, reason, sir. No reason to have that be, you know, the thing that stops you from making some progress or what have you. Exactly what he said. They'll be able to sit back. And even though like the whole time, you know, we were talking about since we started this with Shikari Richardson, man, I remember, uh, remember Michael Phelps. He won like 50 billion gold medals way back in and what have you. I've seen like photographs where they're alleging like, Hey, it looks like he, he might be doing a little cannabis here. Oh, well, remember Ryan Lochte back in Brazil where he was wild in 2016, got arrested, all the rest of it. Like, I have seen some white people, like, really cutting a fool, all kinds of things uh, over the years. All that said, we're still in a system of racism, white supremacy, and exactly as he said, hey, policy and procedure. We just sit back and point at the rules. We can't have athletes doping. Much of uh, Gus. Yes, sir. And one one thing that 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 I see that that I've experienced as consistent, the white people that are getting drug tested, they manage to find a way to get, to to get around it, to pass the test, and you know that they they are taking drugs. I worked I worked with a guy who was a cocaine addict, and he was a driver, white white male. That that went through an entire thirty year career and avoided being harmed for getting tested for drugs, you know, and, and, and uh, uh, you know, and and even beyond the drug thing, even beyond the drug thing, the whole idea of being tardy. Just about all and all of the jobs that are federal related. State, your your uh, particular county, they have these procedures because why? Because they pay a livable salary, salary, health care, and retirement. So they they're going to find they, they they will find a way that ends up harming black people that on the entry level. And in a lot of cases, on the on the level to keep the job, you know. And these are these are the these are the quote unquote potholes. These these are the the uh, the boundaries that affects black people primarily. And like I said, without white people having to be identified as racist. And but I think if it's if it's continuously talked about, counseled with young people. 
that it would probably it, it would probably register in their minds that this is something that I I need to expect. I do want to be a firefighter, and if I'm going to be a firefighter. You know, I'm going to have to be a lot careful on things that have nothing to do directly with putting out fires or riding on a rescue truck. And those and those are some of the things that they're not really aware. They're not really aware of. They're not really aware of those things. But you can make them aware of those things. And that's all they have to say. Thank you. context of white supremacy talk to young people about the workplace and potential problems things to avoid very very important Mm, 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 mm. especially I would say places here in Seattle where recreational cannabis is legal I think California and a growing number of areas like could be a problem Make sure you're talking to young people and being punctual, uh, as he said. That's one thing I can bring up, like time and energy, like just being on time. I think is so important for so many components of workplace racism, Uh, getting a reputation for being on time, being early, uh, even not being late. That's another one they do. They get you to say, oh, yeah, you showed up late. All right. Got to let him go. Can't give him that uh, promotion. Being timely, valuing black people's time I think I brought that up before but oh man especially in a workplace context any any setting really but even if you're working with other black people time like I wouldn't care what it is like uh, you're a black person this black person has requested hey you know you do Wi-Fi installation can you come make sure my Wi-Fi is set up correctly sure thing I'll be at your residence 4 p.m. you show up at 4 p.m. And, you know, they're out at Cold Stone Creamery getting dairy product, having a grand old time. You know, I don't support eating dairy, obviously, but I mean, dang, let what is it? Let a brother know. Text, call something, smoke signal. Let me know. Let me not be out here wasting my time and energy. Um, That is so important uh, and just not wasting uh, other black people's times. If it's a workplace setting, especially not wasting their time and being punctual. Uh, for appointments for your job whatever it is that's work related like time is money that's what they say time is money have that reflected in your behavior and certainly how you value other black people's time I think white people system of racism they have the power to punish us when we waste their time and show up late and things like that they can fire us and do all these other things to punish us when we waste their time Black people, a lot of times we don't have that sort of power so we can waste other black people's times and things. In my view, that's one way of showing some black self-respect as well. Being punctual, being timely with black people. Context of white supremacy, we are punctual. We generally are not starting today's broadcast supposed to start at 8 p.m. We generally are not starting 8.30, 8.15, 8.10, unless it's some sort of tech issue. Generally, we are ready to roll. Much obliged, uh, retired firefighter in Florida. Be punctual. Uh, let's see. Number again, 720-716-7300. Decode 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. 
Uh, other folks who dialed in, if you have a hand up, commentary to share, line should be open. Have you heard? Greetings, caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Uh, I had some updates I'd like to share. Uh, the first is we had someone pass away, um, one of the suspected racists. If people remember, uh, this person said he didn't know what fair, um, he didn't know fair meant white, right? And he said he would have to go and Google it. So this person I suspect is a racist or was past tense. So, and at the end of 2019, uh, you know, I, I think he was having some drinking issues, uh, alcohol, but him being classified as white, of course they would, um, keep that hidden. So all of a sudden he went into retirement and myself, you know, being a black person, I didn't really find out, you know, what was the true reason he just disappeared. So 2021, they say, you know, I guess he moved up to Jacksonville somewhere near one of the beaches, um, maybe Duval County, something like that. Uh, his girlfriend found him, um, I guess dead in his sleep or something like that. So they sent out this email on the same day of the July 2nd, uh, 4th of July luncheon date. So, you know, a couple of people were saying that they were, you know, surprised and shocked and everything like that. You know, I didn't really have much to say because, you know, I remember like so much of the racism, you know, uh, but I just think it was a lot of drinking issues, things like that. Some other things going on as well. That white people are, they, I have to say that like they are very skilled at withholding information, constructive information, as Mr. Fuller says. So when you're black, you find out like, like last after, of course, after the white people. Um, so, you know, I want to start out with that. Uh, my next, uh, report, uh, two pieces. The first part is this is a person, a, a white man. And where I work at is definitely, uh, predominantly white women that, uh, affirmative action. The warden is a white woman. So she definitely um, has given that benefit to other white women, but a white man, blonde hair, blue eyes, right? So I'm going, I'm going down the stairs, 
and I encounter this person. He does a lot of things with the tech and computers and everything. So he's opening the door. Uh, it looks like he's holding it open for a white woman coming up the stairs. And they, they, they are both conversing about something. I guess she said she hadn't seen him in a, in a good while or a long time or whatever. Said, you look different from the back. I couldn't really notice that that was you. And he says, uh, well, no, don't, don't tell me you've been staring at my butt again, right? You, you haven't been looking at my butt, right? So she just, in a nonchalant, indifferent way, oh, no, that's not it. So you can tell they casually talk like this, um, you know, exclusively with each other. So I just, I just said, nah, United Independent. Um, I said, <laughs> I said, there's no way that I could say something like that and get away with it. How could I say such a thing and get away with it? And, uh, the, the white guy, he says, well, you know, you could, what do you mean by that? How, how couldn't you? And I say, and I said, because I'm not white. So I, I just came out and said it in front of him and another, another white person. So like, I think like he didn't expect me to say that. So he just kind of like stood there and then he started going upstairs like, uh, whatever. Like he wasn't ready for that. So he, he didn't really have nothing else to say. So, and I think that kind of stuck with him. You know, next time I saw him, his face was red. Right. So which leads me into when I was <laughs> I was walking to the car. Uh, so this is a cowbell. Right. So. And I mean that to say and I forgot about this. He, he you know, he keeps saying, oh, you know, I have this Asian wife. Uh, she's in Thailand. <laughs> so. Yes, yeah, sir. So he's holding he's holding up this phone. Right. And you know how the phones these days, they have this type of technology where you can show the camera and, and do like this live stream type of thing. So he's like, uh, hey, you know, he, he, he had called me. I turned around and I had spoke to him. So he had the non-white female on the, on the phone. So she was, I guess, laying down, I guess, wherever she was happened to be. And. He's like, yeah, this is my wife. This is my wife right here. So I just waved and said hello and kept going. So he was saying that she's in Thailand, right? I said, okay. And like, why are you thinking in my mind? Like, why are you saying this to me? Then I thought about it. I'm like, I think in my opinion, he was trying to um, prove that he's not a racist and that he doesn't benefit being a white person, being allowed to do and say the things that he said, you know, cracking the whip, uh, on these women, um, do this and that, put them in their place. All of these, all of these kind of language that I know, I, I know I would not be able to say just like my old supervisor said these type of things and would try to, manipulate 
me into situations to where I would be the target of saying these things, but they were all his ideas. Um, I had, I had a, another situation, uh, where, uh, there was, it looks like this black female victim that just started in the, uh, civil area. The supervisor is also a black female. So she, uh, was sitting in a certain area when she first started. Now her desk has her seating area, uh, the area, the seating area that was given to her has been changed. So from the other victim of racism that I speak with, it looks like there are a lot of issues going on in that department. So like I mentioned before, one of the clique members accused this supervisor and the black male director it seems like she's trying to say that these two are racist. So her and other members are, um, or have been in this email whispering, the black male used the term stop whispering and get the work done. So I think him using that term means that of course the unjust networking is occurring between those particular white people about this black supervisor. So I don't know if the new black person noticed anything. So I think there's some issues going on there as well. Um, so it always seems to be the what to where like something like that occurs. And then a lot of them will go into trying to be too overly nice. Uh, I even had, a black person, right? And I have this one and one more. This is interesting. Um, victim of racism. I was, I was helping this black female and a black male about a, a DR case. And I was listening to their story and everything. And, uh, a, uh, clan member, I guess I'll use that click member metaphor she was helping a white person. So she was going back to the white side and about to uh, go out of the door. So she turns back around and she says, Hey, you know, is everything okay? Do you need to do a route or anything? Uh, did you need any help over here? And keep in mind that the new white person is sitting in the area. All right. So, you know, I just look at her, I say, you know, everything's all right, I'm good. And she looked at it, <laughs> the customer, the black female customer, she looks at her and says, nah, everything's good, you know. And then she looked at me she, and she says, nah, I think she's trying to be nosy. She's trying to be nosy, you know. <laughs> and I held in the laughter, right, because it looked like I, I think she assumed correctly you know, because they they all they still all doing this talking and texting with each other. Um and I I have one more uh thing I wanted to read from uh the website. It's from the diverse diversity diversity and inclusion. They updated their site. Uh they have like a pie chart 
It says Alachua County workforce diversity. The pie chart shows the diversity breakdown of Alachua County employees. Last updated March 30th, 2021. And it says 70% white, 20% black slash African American, 6% Hispanic, 1% Asian, 1% Pacific Islander, 1% Native Hawaiian slash Pacific Islander, 0% American Indian slash Alaskan Native, 2% two or more races. So they have apparently like this giant chart where a humongous portion of it is like this blue, like almost a circle, and it just says white 70%. So they have it color-coded. Um, so I think they're going to update that some more in the future. And those are the things I wanted to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Well, caller in Florida, much obliged, two or more. That is another one. Can we get clarification? What does a fella look like? A female, two or more races. How does it even count as a classification? I guess that's President Obama. He's in there and probably a few other folks. Confusion all the way. 70% white. We got who's at the top and 70% like, hey, cronyism, nepotism. Uh, let's see. Let's go to the top. Do, 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 do. Say it again. Sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. Now, we just talked about uh, Shikari Richardson. Totally get it. System of white supremacy. If she had been classified as white, she might be on the Olympic team. Now, they have booted some white people for drug matters before, but I'm just saying it would not surprise me if she were a white person. Maybe she could be on the Olympic team and might even have a cannabis sponsor. Who knows? This fella who just passed away at the courthouse, alcohol problem. Big surprise. Does he get embarrassed? Have his what's the metaphor they have right up there with throwing shade? Does he have his name dragged through the mud? Do you know Roscoe? Oh, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. They caught him down in the basement with a bottle of Hennessy. Disgrace. No, no, no. They don't do that. He still gets to retire grow out keep his good name and then he just oh he passed away oh devastate <laughs> and he said I couldn't even feel sorry just remember that's the fellow that said he would have to google what fair meant <laughs> I'm not sure hmm. <laughs> really you don't know that fair was he didn't know that fair meant white like really how old are you white man like <laughs> really I'm gonna assume that a race soldier passed away I don't generally cry about race soldiers when they pass away. I'll just keep that to myself and move along. When they come to pass the card, like, oh, we have condolences for Fred. Do you want to contribute it? No, thank you. It's been really hard. The Rona and all the rest of it. Like, I'm struggling. We'll miss Fred. I wouldn't even add that. It's just no thank you. It's been a hard time trying to get through the Rona best I can. Hmm. 
Let's see. Now the conversation, I thought this was me too. The fellow Rachel Nichols was talking to said, I'm tired of all this. I'm just, I just don't have anything left. They got Black Lives Matter. They got me too. They got me questioning everything. You can't say this and can't say that. How are you walking through the office? Are you looking at my butt again? Ooh, that's another one that I say all the time. Like, man, you have no idea who else is hearing this conversation. Like, even, you know, let's say you do have a really chummy relationship with a white woman like that. Like, ee, but okay, let's say that exists. You have no idea. You got other clique members who might hear that and, you know, be up in arms. You might. He said last week he had the white woman who brought her daughter in. She might overhear that and say, oh, my God, I'm going to write a letter, you know, that I brought in my young daughter. And we got to hear this nigger up here talking about someone looking at his rear end and all the rest of it. And I have never heard such lewdness in a court of law. And see, I wouldn't do it at all. And I suspect anyone there, they know. And you were like, oh, my gosh. He says, man, I couldn't do that. I couldn't say that. It's all call hogwash. What are you talking about? It's 2021. We had a black president in every world. We had a president of two or more races. Uh, sure, you could have said it. What's the problem? He said, I'm not white. Uh-oh. Mm. <laughs> mm. He said the fellow left. When he came back, whole face was red. Now, you know, that's some unjust network. What I just say? Talking about the Negras. He yep. went in at the kid. You believe that that Negro went out there and said, I couldn't say that. And all the rest of it. Every day. He's coming in and talking about this and talking about that. and Unjust networking. Like, woo. Texting and we. You talk about whispering in the workplace. Like, that is exactly uh, what it was. That's what I told you. Once Dr. Wells, she says, what do white people talk about? When there are no black people present, that's when they talk about the Negroes. Like, ooh, we have got a sassy Negro up front. Woo. Uh, let's see. Then, then he said the other white fella who has made all these racist jokes and cracked the whip and all this. He comes and says, hey, hey, fella, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look, look, look. See, see, that's my wife there. See that? See, look, 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 look. I'm just, you know, I could be totally wrong. I don't know any of these folks. If he was married to a white woman, I seriously doubt he would have demanded. You got to come look at my white wife. Look, 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 come, 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 look, 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 look. I just I haven't had that happen to me. White people, you know, got pictures of their wives, spouses that they demand. You got to come right now and look at them or much less have them on some sort of whatever it is, uh, WhatsApp or whatever. They're on live and you got to come, you know wave or say something to them or whatever the case um incidentally like I, she's in thailand he's back in florida like i was th- like is this some like catalog setup like how did you all meet like i don't know did, from what you saw like was she significantly younger than him or did they look age appropriate It looked it looked like she was uh, around his age, but I'm going to guess that she was younger. I'm not sure how much younger, but uh, I know he has spoken about uh, this relationship in the past, and 
about him being white and she's Asian and things like that because I work in an area where the lady of uh, the black female does the marriage licenses. So I guess that brought about a conversation about how I guess he feels left out being in that country. So he's trying to say he's the white victim and everything. But at the same time, he's making these comments. So I don't, you know, I don't feel sorry for him. You know, I don't feel sorry for him. It ain't really logical. And he knows about these chats because, see, he has access to these emails, to the the game, okay, to the, the white female game, all of the names, even when they try to erase the messages. He knows but see, he but he's white, so he's not gonna give too much information. So he a part of the the criminal act, in my opinion. So, but yeah, he he has been with this person, this uh, so called Asian person, for at least about three or four years, I'm guessing. So yeah, that's as much as I know on it. Hmm. I would be curious, not that I'm, you know, encouraging like snooping or anything like that. I'm just personally curious, like, how did they meet? Like, is this some catalog set up? Were you all at the library or something? And that like, hmm, race. So all of that is suspicious and him trying to use specific. I got to make sure that you Negro male see that I have this here Asian woman. This is my wife. See, see, I'm not a racist. See, see, like, yeah, yeah maximum racist aggression as Mr. Fuller says um, the poor uh, black male now when black people are getting along and are you know harmonious sharing constructive information not brawling no name calling they come and move our seats all around these white people can come in and what we have somebody come out of, hey 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 Let's cut out all this whispering and get some work done. Are we in kindergarten? Like, what is going on? That's embarrassing for people to be having to say this in the courthouse. Like, hey, let's move the click members. Like, you all obviously are not mature enough to sit together and still get your work done in a responsible manner. We're going to have to, what they go, our social distancing? We're going to have to do some social distancing to stop the gossip and so we can get some work done. Like, what? <laughs> And then it's all toxic. It's not like you all are sharing tips and information on how we can get work done at the courthouse. It's all, oh, got this nigger male here. Mm, see if we can get him in trouble. Like, what? You hear what he said at the front desk? Oh, my goodness. Talking to that man said, I couldn't say, don't look at my butt. Like, that's what you're whispering about? Like, come on. Come on. Like, let's let's move all the click members. We need to have assigned seating and move all of the click members so we can cut out all the whispering and then people can focus on their work as opposed to white supremacy racism. Embarrassing. Um, and then the same thing. He says he's working. The black female comes in. We're at the courthouse again. You know, we're not at McDonald's. It's not like people are just coming in. Let me get an order of flapjacks or, you know, frosty or something silly. I'm coming in. I might need a deed. I might need criminal records for court activity. I mean, who knows? Terminating parental rights, like trying to get my uh, passport. Serious matters. And this wife, everything all right? Hmm? Hmm? 
Everything? Mm-hmm. You okay? Okay? Mm-hmm. To where even the customer is like, man, I think she's just being nosy. Like, what? what is going on here? Like, I'm... I'm just trying to get my business taken care of. Like, what do you need? That is embarrassing. Like, and that's what a lot of us work with. Why I say we are constantly under surveillance in some form or another. Well, you just have race soldiers who are around. That's why I say that's the way that you have to talk. Even if you, you know, are talking to another customer, you're talking to another black coworker. This person is around sniffing, snooping, looking. What are they talking about? What is he saying? Saying something about racism? Let's see what's happening. That is the work environment. You are under surveillance. So you just have to uh, accept it as best you can. And uh, if anything, it will keep you on your toes with what you are saying and doing uh, at all times, uh, even if you're talking to other customers. But I mean, white, that right there is further evidence. White people cannot be ignorant about racism, white supremacy. They are constantly keeping tabs on their negras. Think most of us in the workplace, if you work directly with white people, can attest to that. That's it. Much obliged. Caller in Florida. Another uh, week of disgraceful racism uh, at the courthouse uh, and then yes 70% white hmm. affirmative action uh, the number is 720-716-7300 star 61 if you have thoughts commentary again we had Rachel in New York now she was saying hey I want to request I'm a, a mom with young children uh, I want to ask for some hybrid time my thinking is either ask it open ended or try to ask big and that way if they try to negotiate it down you can start at three and they can work it down to two or one uh, that's what I think is best if folks have a thought especially if like I said we have anyone you have done this you have went in requested hybrid scheduling if you got it or didn't get it let us know if we got any folks who did this successfully you wanted hybrid scheduling and you have it if you got the number of days you wanted or if it's any way that you you know wish you had changed things let us know but I think open-ended or asking it for three days I think that is best you can let us know uh, other folks if you have a hand up if we missed you totally or if you have comments suggestions on what's been shared uh, proceed Give folks a moment to get their thoughts together, not do the spectating. We should be here tomorrow. Compensatory call in 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we'll kind of review a uh, very busy week. Um, assassination of the Haitian president. Uh, I don't even remember the last presidential assassination. Uh, Rachel Nichols and Shikari Richardson. Uh, quite a bit uh, happened over the past seven days and we got through July 4th I saw so many fatalities and burnings uh, over the 4th of July weekend which I guess uh, to be expected man I am totally cool if I am never around fireworks again like I was absolutely appalled with the number of different they had uh, 
the truck that accidentally caught on fire it had all these fireworks in it and they exploded they had to they had to cancel the fireworks show and they said that the fireworks crew the workers refused medical care now you want to talk about insanity like man there isn't enough patriotism in the world Uh, I've got caught up in all this explosion and all the rest of it I'm good give me a band-aid the fireworks show must go on please put that up there with football Uh, but we'll be here tomorrow compensatory call in 9 p.m. Eastern 6 p.m. Pacific Uh, and then you can check Black Talk Radio Network uh, for other programs looking to uh, broadcast the middle uh, of next week hopefully more constructive uh, information I'm so thankful we don't have all that ugly uh, heat that we had here last week in Seattle that just made it miserable uh, to be out and about we're back to normal Seattle uh, weather so you can be outside and enjoy uh, but we'll tomorrow compensatory call in check Black Talk Radio for programs in the middle of next week and continuing throughout the month of July hopefully counter racist constructive counter racist content uh, let's see I'll double check in and see if folks have any other suggestions thoughts to share uh, if folks are content we'll give it a minute or so uh, and then we can wrap up get ready for tomorrow folks can get out and enjoy the rest of their Friday evening um, still beautiful sunny uh, out here uh, white people still living their best life boating floating at the lake I haven't seen any more of the uh, enormous pink flamingos but living their best life nonetheless uh, let's see other folks dotted commentary uh, to share any of the observations or tips to share folks are uh, maybe I'll check one more time see if folks are Anything else or folks are all satisfied for today? I don't think we heard any vaccine or I guess we got the one, but uh, from Rachel in New York, any vaccine updates? That is one I will be very curious about, especially as we kind of get maybe closer to the beginning of fall, because that's where a lot of these different places are saying, hey, and uh, school, especially school, uh, both at the uh, college university level and K through 12 here in the States. That's going to be a big uh, be a big time in terms of these uh, vaccine mandates, uh, because a lot of the colleges are saying, oh, yeah, vaccines for the fall. And then a lot of the employee uh, employers are saying that workers will have to be vaccinated uh, come October, September, whatever it is. Uh, So, yeah, I will be very curious if that's starting to impact people on their jobs, if there's more uh, pressure or people are being told explicitly, you got to get that jab. That'll be, you know, folks can either write in or let us know uh, as we kind of tick down towards the uh, beginning of uh, September uh, when all that will probably get a lot more serious. But uh, I will be very curious to hear if folks, because uh, we've had a lot of folks who, for many reasons, logical reasons, are uh, hesitant uh, about getting the vaccine. I myself am not vaccinated at this point. Uh, so I will be very eager uh, to see because they might have, you know, at some point it might be that you might have to be vaccinated to fly, you know, like that wouldn't surprise me either. So it will be uh, quite a bit, and especially they're saying too the with the uh, Delta variant now uh, that they're saying is spreading and is causing all of these problems and what have you like. 
that if it's any sort of flirting with, because I think California, they said uh, a mask mandate has been resumed at the Capitol. Uh, and I think other places are talking about resuming perhaps a mask mandate when they were just being relaxed in some regions. If anything like that is being talked about or another potential uh, shutdown in the autumn or what have you, I could definitely see a much more aggressive vaccine or else vaccine or we're not going back and doing all that again and blah 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 and we just got out of the house and vaccine or so let us know like I said if it's um, email until justice at gmail.com uh, if you know you are uh, if this is gonna if this would cause you to go ahead and get the vaccine uh, if this would cause you to just switch jobs like let us know because I suspect or at least let us know if you you know are already processing thinking about uh, your decision with regards to all of this because man I, this is one I don't think you want to wait until the last minute and then be trying to you know figure it out or what have you this is one we should all be processing and trying to make our best decision now so yeah that'll be curious hopefully we'll have more input on that as we get a little closer to September anywho uh, compensatory call in tomorrow book club uh, continuing next week oh from the book club I forgot Brian S. Bentley I was going to make that a sound clip but we had so much uh, audio I didn't you know include I said I can use it at another time Mr. Bentley black male he said on Monday he said the uh, his co-workers white officers they would get drunk sobriety would be best they would get drunk and go to uh, Memorial Coliseum now, I think that's where the flipping 1984 Olympics was at Memorial Coliseum like gee whiz Carl Lewis and everything unless I'm mistaken anyway so he said they would go to Memorial Coliseum USC Trojans and all and they would have gun contests to shoot the lights out at the Coliseum now this is what this was their happy hour he said he went one time and after that eh, I didn't do any more hanging out with colleagues after work like I am good this is not constructive once was more than enough now I said immediately sobriety would be best heard that many times during the broadcast today that is for sure number one but I mean any event alcohol and white people alcohol and firearms like oh my god <laughs> isn't that a criminal act like uh, unlawful discharge of a firearm don't they arrest people of that you go out there and shoot out of a let's us go out there and have a we're gonna have a gun contest and shoot out the lights at memorial stadium and see what happens <laughs> don't hang out uh and drink with your buddies uh your colleagues i wouldn't care if they're all black people that is not a good idea be professional you can go out sobriety would be best period even if you're not working but you can do all that on your free time uh you do not need to going out and be doing rowdy things that could potentially get you arrested or cause problems where you end up being fired uh because of nonsense you were doing with your co-workers off hours sobriety would be best uh any other fo- uh, thoughts folks need to make sure they get in Yeah, have you heard? Caller in Florida, yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you very much. Um, I was thinking about when it comes to uh, t- 
taking time off. Like I know for um, our department, we have like a calendar. I don't know if the, the victim of racism works in an uh, area where they do things to where they have like a calendar set in their email app because we use the uh, Outlook email. And I was thinking of like she could possibly send some type of an email, a question through the email, see if she could do it that way. Um, that's the way that we do it at the courthouse. It seems to be constructive. And to see if there's any kind of way that they can provide coverage for the types of uh, job tasks that she does. I was thinking of that. Um, and, and I wanted to uh, add two other observations. There is a black male, bailiff, sheriff bailiff, that they have uh, introduced this week because we've had some trials going on upstairs uh and the the race soldiers especially the sergeant has been trying to be i guess on his best behavior but now this is this is the same person that said to another black bailiff i think gus you'll remember this uh he says to the the black victim you know don't go out there and get the COVID or something or some kind of virus as the guy was about to go outside or catch some kind of sexual uh, transmitted disease. So I haven't seen him treat this guy that way. Um, but I can expect, you know, racism to come from the sergeant. Uh, and I wanted to share another one where this is a, a older person, right? She used to be a supervisor. And she went to now this is a white man, a white woman. Now, the black male is the court director, right? Him and the black female is uh, communicating constructively in an office. Now, you can see the two of them through uh, glass, like a glass structure. They're seated speaking to one another. A victim of racism, a black female, said that this white woman walked past where these two victims were speaking, walked to the juvenile area department, and says, oh, have you seen your boss? Now, that is racist. And white people, well, um, on like where I work at, they'll use terms like, you know, what are we doing? Or... Have you seen your boss? She says, have you seen your boss to a white man? And she says, also, you know, have you seen where he is or anything like that? And the white man, he says, oh, where else? Just that, like, concise little comments like that. And they're basically being practicing racism, talking about their talking to each other. She just walked past and saw where he was, but went to to this guy's desk. Have you seen your boss? And have you know, do you know where he is or something like that? And he responds, Oh, where else? <laughs> you know, that's I think that's white supremacy, um, 
being practiced and the white woman initiated it and he responded just like that. And there was one where another white guy replied to a, a black female victim and she was shocked to see that on a new call list that this person had just started, he transferred to the criminal courthouse and she was like, well, he's just only been here for two or three weeks. And he's not even on the call list anymore. And the white guy, he already, he, he responds and he says, oh, he transferred to criminal. Now, he doesn't even work nowhere near where this guy is. So the, you know, the unjust network and his reach and has spread throughout the office. So they all have that um, correspondence and they communicate with each other, and they are not ignorant. And that's all I wanted to share. Thank you. Context of white supremacy. Two, three weeks, I'm up and out of here. Like, I don't do that spinning my wheels and hanging out in one department for five years. Like, I am making moves. And then, what happened? Where is he? Oh, transferred to criminal. Dang. Two weeks? Really? Making moves, man. Power moves. 70%, man. 70%. Networking is strong. Uh, yeah, that flippant attitude. The, uh, where else? Like, I think there, I think he's commented a number of times about the general disdain for. I don't want to say a black person in charge, a so-called black supervisor. I'll say it that way, uh, where it seems like a black person might have some sort of uh, title or position. The same kind of disdain that we heard at the beginning. Where they were saying, hey, what is it like having uh, a 19-year-old and you're a manager? You know, some people have some resentment about that. Negras are perpetual children, boys and gals. So that same sort of resentment, like, yeah, where else? Eh. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> really? Like, uh... <laughs> If it was a white supervisor, that's how you'd sound. If someone came, hey, have you seen your supervisor? Man, where else? <laughs> what kind of? Wow, so you really have some problems with this guy, huh? Yes, niggers are not supervisors in charge, managers, boys and gals. That's what we are, boys and gals. That's about how he sounded about it, too. Uh, let's see. Any other uh, commentary? Any other folks? Tips? Commentary they want to make sure that they get in? We'll assume folks are satisfied for the week. Make sure I didn't miss any uh, hands. Grand. Oh, oh, I did. Did. My fault. Uh, caller at... Five six four zero five six four zero. Did you have commentary? Yes, um, I wholeheartedly agree with what you said about uh, us coming to work on time, and also, if possible, coming uh, a lot or much earlier. I've done that in the past, and it's worked well for me. I just want to offer advice for those who do decide to come into work much earlier than their uh, scheduled time 
especially if they're making in-person, if they're doing any in-person hours during the pandemic, don't be surprised if uh, your supervisor or, or even fellow white coworkers say, make flippant remarks like, uh, oh, you're here early, or, you know, why are you, why do you come here so early? Because that's happened to me in the past. Just continue to, you know, uh, do your work and uh, don't respond to that emotionally, uh, because I think that they do that to undermine uh, us. And uh, so I just, you know, just wanted to give advice don't allow that to undermine your resolve in um, just continuing to be a model employee. As far as um, co the COVID vaccine, I think that based on my observations, um, and I may be wrong, it seems as though the Pfizer vaccine seems to be the safest out of the other two, the Moderna and the Johnson & Johnson I've just heard so many horror stories of women experiencing abnormal bleeding, blood clots uh, in between their menstrual cycles uh, with the, I believe it's with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. The Moderna, I, I don't have a specific, any specific anecdotes about that, but I've heard it's just, just some of the uh, things that I've heard about it. it I, it doesn't seem to be as safe as, possibly as the Pfizer vaccine. Um, so that's my contribution. Thank you. Much obliged. Be on time. And that's important, too, about the undermining, like they'll see you and make those snide remarks. Words, man, <laughs> number one weapon. You come in early, supposed to be there at 8 a.m. You get there at 7.45 and do this, like, habitually. And as opposed to, oh, wow. What a dedicated employee. Wow. I'm so impressed. What 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 an inspiration you are. And I mean, talk about punctual. Wow. No, no, no. You know, you don't have to be here this early, right? Are you 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 trying to impress us? Be here this early every morning. You don't have heat at home. Wanted to get in to get warm early. Something to undermine where it's not a wow. I can't believe what a hard worker we have here. We did a Great job. What a great asset to that. Some way to even disparage that. Like, totally ignore it exactly as she said and just continue to show up early. Uh, I found every time, every time, that will work out in your favor eventually. Get past the comments and all the rest of it. White people will note that. Like, eh, that nigger, but that nigger is here on time. Like, reliable. Like, we got Greg snorting cocaine in the back. Like, we can't trust him to get here five minutes before we start. But that nigger is here on time. Any season, snow, rain. Hmm. At least got to keep that one around. Still a nigger. Who will keep that one around? Like, I've heard lots of fun. Uh, Neely Fuller Jr. said he worked three decades. Never late. I suspect him being there for three decades, him not being late was a part of why race soldiers did not kick him to the curb uh, in Washington, D.C. And I, like I said, we've heard a few other folks as well where that became a part of their policy being early. Like she said, not just I'm supposed to be here at 8 a.m. So I show up at 7:55. like I'm supposed to be here at 8 a.m. And I make it my code. I'm here at 745, 740 every day. I've heard a number and I've pretty much heard every victim white people 
noticed and commented on that. Some, what we just heard, sometimes they made their little snide remark, you know, you don't have to be here this early. Or sometimes, I notice you get here early every day. Wow, it's right on, punctual. Mm. Whatever. We'll take both of those as opposed to you relate, so we're going to have to let you go. Be on time. Be on time. Uh, much obliged for the, um, I guess, vaccine uh, update. Uh, we will get more on all of that, uh, I guess, as it progresses, as I said, as it gets closer to the fall and maybe people change their policies I guess especially it depends on the second variant that they're talking about and going back to masks and all of that like depending on how the rest of the summer goes and man it's been the wackiest uh, 18 month period just trying to make sense of anything like wow it is a lot to process just trying to do uh, do the best we can uh, any, any other comments folks want to make sure they get in make sure I didn't miss anybody else Soon we are good this time. Much obliged for uh, everyone's participation. Hope it was worthy of your Friday evening. Uh, again, feel free. Drop us an email until justice at gmail.com. Especially, like I said, if we have any folks, if you have asked, or if you haven't, if we didn't have responses because people haven't really tried, if you work in a job where it's possible you could be home and do this work still. Uh, if hybrid working has been offered to any other folks in your workplace, at least ask. There were, in my view, the worst they can say is no, can't do hybrid work. You got to come in. Okay. But at least ask. You might be able to get a day like one day. If you had to go in five days, you could switch and just at least get one day. Huge difference. Imagine never having to go in on Friday again. Never having to go in on a Monday again, at least for a temporary, at least for six months. Like, man, <laughs> I would enjoy it like nobody's business for six months. Or like I said, you ask it openly, ask for three days. If you get two days, even like, man, that is awesome. So if you have a job where you could, you could be at your house, be on your computer, whatever it is, laptop, whatever, and get this work done. I would at least ask unless you you know, think that would cause some more problems, that they would be really snoopy about what you're doing at home and checking in on you or having some really invasive surveillance, that sort of thing. I would ask if we have listeners who have asked uh, for this, uh, let us know. Did you uh, what language, what wording you use? Did you go the parenting angle that seems constructive or did you try another uh, method to get them to say, yeah, it seems like, you know, this is worthy for you to be able to have at least one day or maybe two where you can be at home. The health risk, did you go that angle? Let us know if we have folks who tried it out. And if we have folks who have not been doing this, where you could work from home at least one or two days, I suggest you try it. Comes December, if you live someplace where it gets cold, snows occasionally, at least being able to work at home a day or two. Mm. Nice to be able to have that advantage. We'll resume, well, I guess for tomorrow, compensatory call-in, neutralizing workplace racism will pick up next Friday. Uh, say it again. You can insert, you know, many, many names. We mentioned Shikari Richardson and others. Sobriety would be best 
in addition to being sober, uh, if you're going out and about, we got through the holiday, I believe, safely, all our fingers and all the rest, most of us anyway. Um, if you're going out, be very alert to things that are happening around you. Can't really just be mindlessly enjoying the summer. It's been way too much chaos. If you see anybody that looks like they're being hostile, loud, rowdy, this is not the time to be verbally confronting strangers over a mask or anything else. Exit. Uh, you should be thinking, whoa, this person could be armed. This person, in fact, might have a whole entourage of armed folks who are ready to harm and kill. If you didn't leave your residence ready to kill and or die, exit. That said, uh, if you are driving, you're not on the cell phone, just doing the small things we can to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. And we need all of our attention so we can pay attention to what's happening around us. That's it. Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. No name calling, no gossiping like, man, so much of that in the workplace. That's a part of, in my view, professionalism. I'm not going to just be sitting around and talking about coworkers and all the rest of it who aren't here and in a disparaging manner, like trying to get work done. We have lots of priorities in the year of the Rona. No name calling, no gossiping. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, no brother. Problem. You're a victim. I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.